Traveling the Vortex. The killing moon will come too soon. We've joined the doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed episode number 197. My grand puts stuff on Tumblr. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I think I put your grand on Tumblr. <laughs> you did? I think so. Oh. No. Would that be retumbling her? <laughs> I don't know how Tumblr works. I tumble for you. I tumble for you. Stay out of my head. I tumble for you. I tumble for you. It's my best boy, George. That was a good one. I, I thought about going there and I thought, no, it's far too early in the show to be that silly. <laughs> and that's where I went for the silly. How's everybody? Pretty good. How are you guys? Just fine. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Sean, you never go first. Sean never goes first. I um, I watched two movies this week, other than school and work. Um, and one was mildly disappointing, which is I got an advanced copy of A Million Ways to Die in the West, which actually releases Tuesday of this coming week. That was okay. It wasn't. I heard the best part, part was the uh, Doc Brown cameo. Well, and, and which they kind of spoil for, for, in the trailer. If you see the full length trailer, I hadn't seen there. that trailer, but it was spoiled for me by somebody else. So I kind of kept waiting for it to show up, and then it did show up, and it was finally there. And it was it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. It it, it I, I give I give Seth MacFarlane and team full props for doing a western. It is an authentic Western. It is very steeped in the feel and the customs and the tropes and the traditions and all of the stuff that we love about Westerns are in this movie. Unfortunately, it also has the pacing of a Western, which when you're doing a comedy doesn't... There, there, there's a really, really awesome joke, and then it goes for about an hour before anything else happens. And then there's another really awesome <laughs> joke. And unfortunately, those are all in the trailer, except for the Doc Brown one. The other thing that I kind of came away with it is... Um, Seth's character is very contemporary. He's just, he's himself, you know, but he's in the Old West. And I kind of kept waiting for the time travel joke that he had been misplaced and, you know, <laughs> stuck there or something to explain it. And he's not. He's just a contemporary guy in the Old West. And um, it's, I think, probably five minutes in that he goes on this pretty hysteric rant about why the West sucks and all the different ways that you can die. You know, you can die from the doctor, you can die from this, you can die from this, and, you know, the disease of the weak club that uh, that they have going on there. But you, they do this before... Which any, was in the trailer. Before anybody really dies. So then it's kind of like, I think this came a little too early for him to be this <laughs> agitated. <laughs> but aside from all that, was it worth watching? Yeah, I'm glad I saw it, but yeah, it's... You know, you really have to be kind of a fan of the Family Guy style humor and of Seth MacFarlane's in particular uh, in order to appreciate it. I thought everybody did a great job. I mean, there were, like I said, a handful of really, really funny gags that were unfortunately couched in this just not-so-funny movie. Mm -hmm. So that was mildly disappointing. And then we watched Transformers Age of Extinction. Should I should I ask the question? Why? Keep in mind, I still have not seen the third film, so <laughs> that's on Netflix, isn't it? No, I, it fell off. No, because when Age of Extinction was getting ready to come out, I thought, all right, maybe I should watch the third one just to get prepared, and then because I was a little excited for dinosaurs, but 
<laughs> let, let me dispel you of no, that excitement I, I've right heard, now. <laughs> I, I heard the first week it came out that it's the last, if 20 minutes. It, it, no, film. not even that. Oh, um, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, you the, didn't know that? No. No, sorry. The, I'm, no I, I had no intention of seeing it anyways. <laughs> I'll watch it one day when uh, it's at the library. Unfortunately, I won't even pick it up at the library. <laughs> well, see, here's the Same deal. Same thing with Lone Ranger and uh, Dark Shadows. I'm not even going to waste my time picking it up at the library. <laughs> the, here's the deal. The kids enjoyed them, and so Mel had been buying them. And then they came out in Steelbooks, so she upgraded to the Steelbooks. And then they announced that Best Buy was getting an exclusive Steelbook for Age of Extinction. She's like, well, we have to buy it to you know, pair up with the rest of them. And I looked at her and I said, Really? Do we really? Because I kind of feel sullied for having them on my shelf to begin with. <laughs> so I went down Tuesday and picked up the exclusive steelbook. And I told the Best Buy, he says, you find everything okay? I said, yes. And shame on you for forcing me to buy what I'm sure is going to be a craptastic film <laughs> just because you have an exclusive steel not box for it. Not a good way. No. Not, uh, yeah. Anyway. The guy's like, oh, I really liked it. Of course, I hadn't seen the others. And I just... I just okay, he liked it, but hadn't seen the others? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had several reviews it was, from people. It was a quasi-attempt to reboot it, wasn't it? No. No? No, in fact... And that's the way the promotional material made it seem. Well, they reboot it from the standpoint that Shia LaBeouf's not in it anymore, sure. But actually, the events are very directly related to the events of the third film. Hmm. So, Glenn, you do need to watch three if you ever plan to watch four. Well, I won't watch it out of order. For side, I just don't do that. Kind yeah, of I know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of went into it, and I, I, I put all my... Ugh, aside, because I thought, well, if nothing else, maybe it'll be spectacle entertaining. You know, I, and, and I'm, I'm down to turn your brain off as much I, as you I, can. Yeah, I enjoy good bad film as next as the next person. You and I have certain oh, yeah. tastes that Glenn doesn't agree with, and so I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put all that aside. And I'm gonna sit down and we'll watch some Transformers. We'll watch some giant robots. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> For a three hour. Michael Bay explosion extravaganza fest. I shouldn't be bored. I was bored. Somebody put a supercut together of like all the explosions and big fights of the first three Transformers films, and it's only like ten minutes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Bored. Um, we introduce the new family, which is led by Marky Mark. Bored. We go through his troubles and his family and his daughter and her dating. Bored. Optimus Prime shows up. Okay, cool. Because Optimus is the coolest thing in the movies. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah, no. That's what and you watch the movies for. They fixed something that I had noticed in the previous ones, which Optimus Prime is the coolest thing in the Transformers films, and yet they managed to knock him out of the film for a good 40 minutes in each one of them. He's in this one pretty much from that get-go moment. Oh, cool. It's like, okay, cool. Optimus is at least here. Bored. <laughs> it didn't... <laughs> They didn't do anything. They kind of fundamentally changed his character a little bit. The Autobots are being hunted down because of all the events that happened in 3 with, you know, aliens and skyscrapers being knocked over and stuff. So the government has apparently decided all robots are bad. Kill everybody. Okay. So the, the villains of this film rotate between the U.S. government, who's hunting down the Autobots, certain members of the Autobots who might have illusions of grandeur trying to take over with or without Optimus. You kind of question that at one point. Um, there's a, a, a scientist guy um, played by, oh, what's his name? You said Stanley Tucci, wasn't it? Stanley he? Tucci, thank you. A scientist guy who he's been experimenting with uh, the Autobots. or the, you know, He's been experimenting with the, the robots and basically melting them down and taking the transformium metal. 
so they can reprogram it and do it themselves. So he's the bad guy for a while. Then there turns out there's a there's that's, another the there's, a, there's a transformer bounty hunter who shows up and is helping the government hunt down and he's the bad guy for a little bit. It's just it was like so who's the bad guy in this film? Oh, and then Megatron comes back because <laughs> it's, it's a Transformers movie. Well, it's a Transformers movie without Megatron. <laughs> Got to have Megatron come back. Right. So still voice by Hugo. I couldn't tell. Quite honestly, I because I, you know, that's one I of the things. For him that, it's just a page. I, I get excited. It's, you know, hey, Hugo, but cut the audio and call it good. So, they go through all this stuff, and the plot's ridiculous and <coughs> boring. There's just nothing happening, and you're kind of going, what is the deal here, and do I really care anymore? And it kind of keeps building up to this epic climax, and we've got some pretty epic battle scenes and explosions and stuff, and then you realize you still have an hour of the movie to go. <laughs> and I, I tried, because, uh, did you guys see the, the Bayham article I posted on how Michael Bay directs films, and they went and dissected all of his... I saw you posted it, I hadn't read it. Fascinating video. This kid put, I don't know who this guy is, he cut together this basically look at how Michael Bay directs films, and what apparently Michael Bay thinks is a good shot. Because then they go and they show you this shot in every single one of his movies. And how he composites things. It was really fascinating to watch. So now all of a sudden, having seen that, I'm watching Transformers and I'm seeing light posts. Because Michael Bay's got a very big fascination with, okay, here's a car and it's coming at you this direction. And then something will move in the opposite direction. And then there's light posts to give it scale. That to him is a dynamic shot. Because, and oh man, there's a lot of light posts in Transformers. <laughs> light posts, light posts everywhere. Everywhere light posts. There's not... I, I tried. I really tried to pay attention as to whether or not this is true or not, but I, I, my brain shut down at somewhere about the hour mark. I don't think there's one static shot in the entire movie. It's always moving? Always, always moving. moving. Even when nothing's happening. Even when it's two characters having a very vanilla conversation about nothing. The camera moves, the camera pans, the camera turns, the camera slides. It's slightly off, you know, that weird tilt-pan thing. You just lock your camera down for a minute. Just be one scene. Just put it on a tripod and walk away. Just no. Everything's got to have motion and this kind of. And when you see it once, it's amazing and it's cool. When you fill three hours of visual camera tricks, you you get bored. Your mind is like, eh, I don't care anymore. It's like overload. Yeah. And then the dinosaurs show up. Let me tell you about marketing. There's no reason for the dinosaurs to be in this movie. That's how they justified zero. making a second movie. There's zero reason. Zero, That's zero. what everybody was excited to see was the Dinobots. Yeah. The Dinobots. Zero reason. Zero plot. Zero. Just they're there. And that image of Optimus Prime holding a sword, riding a Tyrannosaurus, exists solely so that we can have a shot of Optimus Prime <laughs> holding a sword, riding a Tyrannosaurus. That's it. There's no... They tried, and it doesn't work, and it's just like, oh, man. Then it gets even more ridiculous, because they're in, they're, 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 we're, out, we're on the outskirts of Hong Kong, and we're going to ride the dinosaurs into battle. So they're coming down the mountain slope, and there's acres of nothing on the left, there's acres of nothing on the right, and there's a tiny little, you know, those gated things that are all, real, all the rage in Asia, where it's just like the little half circle thing, and then kind of a broken wall on either side, where it's like a ruin of a temple or something. You've seen this, okay, right? Okay, sure. But it's got like a circular doorway, like a hobbit hole. So there's one of these out in the middle of this field. Guess where the Tyrannosaur goes? Right through it. Right through it. <laughs> he could have stepped over it. 
<laughs> it's not a big gate. The hole is like this big. His head is like this big. He wasn't going to make it through it anyway. Optimus is riding him. Optimus saw the gate, could have steered him around it, could have leapt over it. No. We haven't blown anything up in about 48 seconds. So we're going <laughs> to crash right through this thing and send bricks flying at the camera for no reason. Three it, doesn't even, it doesn't even look cool. Because the cool reveal was, hey, look, there's dinosaurs in the, in the shot before. There's no bad guy in the shot. There's no reason for them to crash through the gate other than, yeah, cool, let's blow something up. <laughs> and even Mel sat there on the couch going, really? You couldn't have gone around that? <laughs> so it's like, oh, thank goodness it's not just me being pretentious and overwrought and everything. Well, Mel uh, said she didn't enjoy it. No, she didn't. Which- she said she probably wouldn't. And she is a lot more forgiving than I am when it comes to bad movies, you know, that if, 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 if there's something of value in it, she'll go, ah, it was pretty good, because she enjoys a really good, bad action flick from time to time, you know, just something that's, okay, sure. Even she was like, I don't think I'd go back and rewatch that one. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know I won't. <laughs> I, this just Congratulations, you own it in Steelbook. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sure it was a 3D Blu-ray only. No, that's the, the good news. Oh, I, didn't, wow. I didn't have to pay that much for it, but in the hierarchy of the Transformers films, the first one's kind of okay. The second one is abysmally bad. The third one is slightly better than the second one. And this one, I would probably put it right on par with three. It's not as bad as two, but it's not much of an improvement. And it's just, it was like, oh man, that's three hours of my life gone. And I knew this going into it. And then I was kicking myself because I was like, why did I watch this thing? I knew, I knew going into this, this was going to be bad. And I tried. I wanted to be a believer. I'm a Michael Bay defender because I think some of his early stuff is really, really good. Uh... Unfortunately, he became almost a parody of himself. Yeah. Well, about the time the Verizon commercial came out, awesome pool, awesome barbecue. That was pretty much it. Why is Spielberg's name still attached to these? He's, he's, still the, he's still the executive producer of all these, and it's like, at what point? Because it's a paycheck for him too. Yeah, but I look how well it did. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately, people are still going. People are still enjoying them. They're just thank not goodness to you. for Guardians oh. of the Galaxy. It would have been the best uh, movie of the year. Oh, why people? Why or the summer at least, not the year. Summer. You mean top grossing? Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> Obviously, we know Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is the best movie of the year. <laughs> Have you seen that yet? Uh, yeah. Although it is at the dollar theater. December 2nd. Is it when it comes out? I will have it on Blu-ray. Blu-ray. So December 12th, you can watch it. <laughs> I plan to see it. <laughs> the statute of limitations up on letting go of it out of the house. I'm going to rewatch it over and over with commentary, Well, you, you, you probably should, because at the rate one returns <laughs> movies, it might be a while. Yeah. Um, well, it comes out digitally like a month before that, so he'll probably rent it then. Uh, I that, may. I've been renting stuff on iTunes when they come out. The f- the fun part of this was getting to work and, <laughs> and working with all the cinema files and going. So I watched Transformers, and all of them had that same haunted expression that I had. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And Dylan, who works at the theater, is like, it's so bad. And so we kind of got into it, and we rehashed pretty much the exact same conversation I just gave you guys. And he's like, and this sucked? I was like, yeah. And he says, and then what was this part about? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) Why did he crash through that gate? I don't know. (laughs) It's just, yeah. So I can't can't recommend that one. If this was a thumbs up, thumbs down thing, I I think I would... uh, 
thumbs down. Merka piss, I think, is pretty much where I would <laughs> would rank this. Uh, I no. <laughs> Merka piss. Uh, I'm sorry, is that too strong? <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I didn't like it. No, sir, I didn't like it. <laughs> At least it wasn't Merka waste. <laughs> Banthapudu. <laughs> it was bad. So, but this is the thing. Now, honestly, I really want you guys to watch it. No, because I want to be able to talk with other people and go. So I'm not crazy, right? Yeah. This really did I believe suck. You how bad so. it is. I'll probably see it after I see the third one. And you'll come back and go. It I just, was awesome. I, was, I don't know what you were talking yeah, about. My problem is I, I haven't seen the second. I one. watched the second one and I went. <laughs> I, I don't think I would, I don't think I hated it like a lot of people do. Oh, don't I get me wrong. Second, I hated the first one. Don't get me wrong. No, I thought the first one was good. I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed the first one. It's not the best movie or, or, or anything. Not even close to the best movie. It was fun. It was it was a fun film. And then the second one I put off for so long, and everybody kept saying, "Oh, so bad, so bad." And so then that made me put it off even well, longer. And then I, when I finally sat down and watched it, I think maybe that was another thing. The expectations were set so low. <laughs> Oh, then I actually went. All right, that wasn't that wasn't horrible. I, I there was a lot of things I didn't like about it, but but then I went, it didn't get me excited for the third one, so I just kept putting that one off. Someday, someday. I wasn't. I, I think I wasn't huge into orange. the Transformers though as a kid either. So see, well, and see, I that's driving a lot I, of people I, our age. Yeah, I feel like I need to temper my remarks because I wasn't either. I, the whole GoBots and Transformers, the whole idea of a robot well, that turns into something else. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the whole idea of, well, but I used to watch the GoBots cartoon every Great Blue Moon, and I still didn't get it. But the whole idea of a robot that hides. Okay. You remember the scene in Big where he says, why would a robot turn into a building? Who wants to play with that? That's kind of how I feel about the whole <laughs> franchise. Who wants to play with this? I'd rather play with a robot. I don't care that it turns into a car or a truck. or I, I don't care. The only transforming toy I ever had when I was a kid was one of the transforming turtles. That turned from a baby turtle to a mutant turtle. That makes sense. Yeah. I'll give you that. Sure. But, but Transformers was a creation of the toy period. Yeah. And what was a, the toy, was toy maker first. said was... Kids love cars and trucks and airplanes. And, and kids robots. love robots. Hey, it's a what if we put these two together? Thing, yeah. Which is great. And then, of course, what do you do to sell toys? You create, you create a cartoon. A cartoon. <laughs> See, this is the thing. It's not you for know us. Me? I'm a, I'm a G.I. Joe fan. So I was right there riding that cusp of had all the toys and watched the cartoon. I, still, I own the footlocker of every animated series of G.I. Joe. I have a boatload of comic books. I enjoyed the two movies that were live action. And that's why I kind of feel like maybe I shouldn't say anything about Transformers because I liked those. But I... Oh, it's so bad. We're sorry if you're a Transformers fan. No. I'm, well, yeah, I am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're... Odd Duck Phil is a Transformers fan, and now he's listening to this and screaming at his speakers right now. I'm sure we'll we're, si- we're sorry from. that Michael Bay is trampling on your childhood. No, I'm just I'm just sorry that Odd Duck Phil has no taste and likes Transformers. Oh. <laughs> you notice how I singled him out and not anybody else, because I can pick on him. Keith, what'd you do this week? Oh, would you do anything else, Sean? No, that was pretty much it. I'm still on that. You know, when you come off a really good week and you're riding high... I'm down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, since it's October, I decided this this year I'm not going to wait till the last minute to start watching some Halloween-esque films. And on the first, since they added it to Netflix and I no longer own it, I watched Shadow of the Vampire. 
Why don't you want it? I got rid of it for some reason. <laughs> and, and, and needing money, I guess. That reminds me. I fired up Netflix on my computer because I was looking for a couple of movies. And you know how they tier it in, like, uh, recommendations for you, things, you know, based on what yeah. you've watched. And then it goes down and does action and comedy and... Right Sometimes there, random. Right there at the end of comedy was Shadow of the Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, okay, I did laugh at the movie, but it's not meant to be a comedy. It was, well, there were some elements that it could be a dark comedy. Yeah. Mm. I enjoy that film. <laughs> comedy. I don't want that. <laughs> not necessarily comedy. Although Evan Costello meet Frankenstein pops up in yeah, horror. So. so, did you see the, the, the new editions? They, they, I, I, I get the Universal um, from Universal Studios the emails, and they had this big one about the classic monster series and blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, okay, they're reissuing them again. I don't care. <laughs> and then there was it's like I, a yearly I, thing. Yeah, well, there was this big blurb at the bottom. It was his first time on DVD, and I went, yeah, right. And I kind of I didn't look at it. Well, we got him in at work. There's like the Invisible Man collection. It's a single disc set, but it's every Invisible Man film as part of that set, including mm-hmm. Abbott Costello and the. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all of them, and then there's a Wolfman well, set. You a know the Abbott Costello films set. are considered canon in the Universal Monsters universe, yeah. but that's yeah. they've always been accepted as canon, despite the fact that they're co- comedies. Yeah, but I I, I I suddenly went, oh, that's what you meant, because there's stuff in there that I don't think even AMC has shown in years oh, and years and years. Yeah, but, I just say I. I've you seen it all. It. I've seen yeah. it all over the course of years, but I don't have all of it on, on yeah. DVD. It's nice that they're all in one big collection. Yeah. But yeah, they're well, and 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 I say that they probably have aired them on AMC or TCM or something because over the course of the last thirty years, I finally and I would something would pop up when I go, I knew about that, but had never seen it, yeah. so I'd watch it. Yeah. So, mm. but yeah, but yeah, I, so anyway. never on DVD, so that's cool. Uh, following Shadow of the Vampire, I follow that up with another vampire film. From dusk till dawn. <laughs> I, so what I'm going to do all month is just watch a bunch of horror movies. You've seen this, yeah, yeah. So watch another great movie. example of a really good bad movie. Yeah, I, 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 I you know, you know me and bad films, but I like that yeah. one. I actually enjoy that one. I forgot how the whole first hour of it, no vampire shows up. It's over an hour. An hour. And, oh, I yeah. looked when the first one it's, turned it's, into it's a vampire. Totally an hour a, and a minute. A, a Bonnie and Clyde esque crime. Which is enjoyable in its own thing, and then all of a sudden, right, it's to left turn Vampireville. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a bunch of because since Sarah's not a big horror movie fan, uh, I don't watch as many horror movies as I used to. So I'm gonna go through and watch not necessarily some of the t- upper echelon best van- uh, horror movies, but I'm just gonna go through and watch ones I haven't seen in a really long time. There you go. Uh, I think the next year I'm gonna do original Universal. Horror monster movie, and then the remake version, like Bram Stoker's Dracula or Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and pair those up that way. Um, and then I watched the premiere of Rebels. Did you guys see that? I did not. How was it? I've heard good things. Did you watch it? Star Wars no, Rebels? I didn't. I haven't watched it yet. We've got it at that. It's a, it's a stronger premiere than <clears throat> Clone Wars got. That's for sure. The uh, uh, internets have been real favorable. It, it, it was enjoyable. There's a few things that bother me about it, but they could fix it throughout the course of the series. Uh, I think it's going to take a little bit for the animation to for me to get used to it. That's, I got, it's it's, it's in, in the same vein as the Clone Wars. It's just not as stylized. The, to me, it looks like they're 
walking, talking action figures. Yeah. The edges and everything just feels very much like... Because there are other characters that show up that I didn't expect to show up in, I can see in the pilot. And they look very much like their action figure forms. I can see so, that. I can see And I, I, it took me a little bit to get used to it and like the Clone Wars, but I like the animation so much of that that it's going to be a tough, tough transition between the two. Uh, and then today... Uh, oh, I got uh, the Red Dalek, the Dalek Alpha, and the Eighth Doctor f- action figure set for my father-in-law. And then today we watched uh, We Bought a Zoo, which was really enjoyable. I heard it was great. Yeah, I, I liked it. it was, it's, it's a bit more of a feel-good film, which is nice. Um, but Matt Damon did a really good job. Scarlett Johansson, the the, uh, the girl who plays the daughter, did a, was a really good job in that. And the son did a really good job capturing being 14. I don't know how old he actually was, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Huh. I'd, I'd recommend it. It's definitely worth watching. It was one of those that came out like Christmas time, and it, it got favorable reviews, but I don't think a lot of people went and saw it. Yeah, it's kind of a, right. you bought a zoo, what, how is that a movie? Uh, <laughs> well, but it's based on a uh, it's based on true, book. And a true story. Yeah. yeah and so it, I highly, highly recommend it. That's pretty much it. What did you do, Glenn? Um... Watched a couple movies, ones that I've seen. Well, one ones that I've seen and one that I have. Well, Manchurian I talked about last week because I remembered it. Um, I watched Doctor Strange Love, uh, which again I've seen. Actually, I've seen a few times, but I just I borrowed it because there I was I've been going through AMC's and AMC's uh, AFI's. AFI's 100 movies of all greatest 100 movies of all time, and I decided that I would go through and definitely watch the ones I hadn't seen on there. But because there's not a whole bunch that I haven't seen, there's also a lot that I haven't seen in a long time, or I've seen in bits and pieces, mm-hmm. and I couldn't remember um, some of the stuff of Doctor Strange Love, so I borrowed that from Sean and watched that again this week. Thoroughly enjoyable movie. <clears throat> um, and then I watched The Mist, which Sean has been pushing me to watch for a long time, <laughs> which you hadn't seen. And uh, Sean and I talked a little bit about this already. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. Um, based on the Stephen King short story from, I think it's in Night Shift. Is that the one? Have you read the short story? I have, yes. Okay. And it, an incredible way to adapt a short story and put it on film. It was really well done because it, it stays to the central theme of the story and then expounds it enough that it to make it, you know, to, a two hour film. Yeah. Exactly, to fill it out. And um, it's really enjoyable. I thought the acting was really weak from a majority of the cast. There were people that were really good, like um, Toby Jones was awesome. I forgot he was in that. Um, I did too, actually. The, said that. I can't remember remember the actress's name, but the gal that played the fanatic that the yeah she was. Phenomenal. I remember being impressed by her. Oh my gosh, she was good. Um, but Thomas over, Jane just kind of walked through. Yeah, all all of the rest of them just kind of walked through it. I, I, I don't know. I was just but I was Thomas the, the, Jane was playing the Drew Struzan who was doing a poster of the Dark Tower at the beginning. <laughs> that automatically gets a win. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> I have to give them that. I went wow. Uh, was it Marsha Gray Hayden? Pardon? Yes. Was yes. That's Marcia Marcia Gay Gay. Just a good, great actress. She is a great actor, actor, actress all oh, around. And Laurie Holden's in that. Yeah, Laurie Holden. Um, but uh, it's it was solid storytelling. It was well written. Um, for the screen, I thought it was well directed. It's just there was some of the acting that I thought was loose, and then the ending is <laughs> <laughs> the ending's horrible. It and is as I, not horrible. It is horrible. And as and, and as I told Sean, I would have preferred spoilers if you haven't seen this. Although this movie's been out for like ten it's years, two thousand seven. Yeah. So. Um, 
I would have rather have them into the movie with them driving off into the mist. Is that how the that's how the book? Story? Well, the book leaves has them leaving the supermarket. Is how I remember the book ending. They mm-hmm. they actually venture out and they're going to go, and that's how it ends. That's, yeah. um, so they kind of go there. But yeah, but I would have rather have. I, I like the whole you know parking lot confrontation and and near you know everybody nearly getting out away, but then they get in the. Here's my thing about movies, and it's just this is just me. I'm I'm fine with them making movies like this, and there are people that enjoy them. But I've gotten to the point that I don't like the. I, I, when I go, when I watch a movie or read a book or read a comic book or anything, I go into it and go into any sort of fantasy to as an escapism, as an escape from reality, escape yeah. from the bad things. I would rather have that fairy tale or Hollywood ending. I just. Now we've gotten to a point where we're doing all of these shock endings or these really depressing down, think about them, mental endings. Which is fine once in a while. Yeah, and but I, I just I want that happy ending. And now I'm, I, when I see a film that's just so in so tragically like this, it's it's a downer, and it makes almost it, makes that whole it almost makes that whole, whole experience. experience it sours the whole thing for me. Yeah. So Seven was one of those that. <sighs> That's one I haven't rewatched. Yeah, Seven is one I of those it, but that I, was... I enjoyed it. It was the first really kind of shocking, uh, horrible ending that I went, okay, you know, that that's an experience. But now it seems like everybody's doing those films, and this one was just another one of those, although much more, <laughs> much more. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's, so, it's almost uh, like some of Hollywood got a Mike, uh, M Night Shyamalan syndrome. It's not even like Shyamalan big, because, because that's just it. it. That, Shyamalan's but... good at making the twist, but it still ends up being the the good ending, the 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 inspirational endings. There's 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 hardly any shocks, with the exception of um, uh, the Sixth Sense. There's that big shock. Oh, there at wasn't the end, a down ending, but there's not a down. Yeah, okay, it's, yeah. and Unbreakable is even the same way. There's, it's not the it's down still ending. Ends kind of in a hopeful exactly. Manner, yeah. uh, Signs is is one of the first ones that ends. With the real Hollywood ending, because well. <laughs> he gives you the twist, and then everything ends up great. Um, but I, I don't know. I just I, those aren't my kind of movies. And so when I see something end like that now, no matter how powerful the story was leading up to that, it kind of sullies everything else for me. So mm. I definitely won't go back and watch that. <laughs> and there's, yeah, and there's no way in heck I'd ever end. Uh, that's and that's another reason I've stopped reading Stephen King over the years oh. is because a lot of the books ended like. Just without hope, um, he has oh, some. No, that did, no, no, yeah, he has. some. Well, most. I guess I should say most of his like short stories and novellas in that way. Okay, yeah, that, that'll give you. yeah the, big, the, the, the big long novels. The, the big, the big ones in. Hopefully. But dark, the whole dark tower. So you haven't read it. Have you? I haven't read it, but uh, no, the, the, go ahead. The whole dark. I'm not going to ruin the ending, but the whole dark tower ending is the same. <laughs> I invested. How many hours in that series? <laughs> Seven books in that series. I still haven't gone back and read that other one. Um, yeah, so, no, that's that. Um, the kids had soccer yesterday. Um, seems like we did something else yesterday. I don't remember what it was. Oh, the kids, or uh, Mason's school carnival was yesterday afternoon. Oh. So we did that. That was a lot of fun. We, we, we had intended to go, uh, it, it went from three to six, and we had intended to go 
uh, all of us from three to four and spend time at the carnival. And then Caitlin and uh, Holly had signed up to volunteer to help. So Mason and I were going to go home. And then the girls would come home after they were done with their volunteering. Well, we all ended up staying there for the full three hours because we just uh, we were having a lot of fun, and the kids uh, had a lot of coupons. We bought them extra coupons this year, so they didn't have. It took them longer to get through their coupons. Oh, yeah. Um, and then that was it. Tonight we uh, we roast, roasted. My, so if I smell a little bit like a campfire, we fired up the oh, the fire pit fire pit and roasted uh, marshmallows and had s'mores. I forgot to mention that I've got my mom up to she is up to the seventh doctor in her classic rewatch. Ooh, cool. Oh wow! She what? liked Minions on Barrels pretty good. wasn't that big wasn't a big fan of Colin. Okay, so back up then. I, I don't remember hearing anything after you were going to do Mind Robber. Yeah, she, and I remember okay, the we reaction Mind for Robber, that, but I don't. And remember. she wasn't that impressed with it. So my mother has disappointed me time and time again when it comes to who. <laughs> I, of, my, of what I think she would like and really glob on to, she was, wasn't was that impressed by Matt Smith. She wasn't that impressed by Mind Robber. Um, what did I... Uh, she, she didn't really say much about Time Meddler, um, The Hand of Fear. She talked a little bit about Hand of Fear and kind of enjoyed that one. Didn't really have an opinion on... Tom and that story since it's more focused on Eldred and Sarah Jane, you know. Uh, she said she enjoyed the five doctors and her biggest comment to me was, wow, those Cybermen look cheesy. <laughs> so that just cut me to the bone. <laughs> so, and then she watched Vengeance on Barrows and she said she enjoyed it and didn't really, didn't really say too much about it. But her seventh doctor choice, because I gave her options for the last, for Four, five. I think I. I don't remember if I gave her options for five, but I gave her options for seven, and she actually chose three and wants to watch all three because she really liked Sylvester and the one she watched tonight, Happiness Patrol. Oh Lord, well, which he's good at it. She loved. <laughs> he's good. Really, she loved Happiness Patrol. Um, I knew. I knew it was right up her alley too. Of, she. She's always very much a. You don't always have to be a happy type of person. It's okay to be sad sometimes. And that's very much the central theme of Happiness Patrol. Sure. So she really liked Happiness Patrol. So that, that that made me slightly proud that I've done something right. <laughs> <laughs> so the other ones uh, she borrowed were Ghost Light with the caveat of if you watch it, you're going to be confused. Watch the bonus features and I'll talk to you about it and kind of explain And if you want to go back and rewatch it. And then she borrowed... Uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, just because I thought that's such an important. It's, but, important it's so hard introducing her to all these because she doesn't like Cybermen, she doesn't like Daleks. So what do you show her for all these, all the great episodes, the tentpole ones, or these Dalek or Cybermen stories? It's true. So, and she also has, if she decides not to watch the other one, she has the movie in her possession, so she can watch that whenever she wants. So I was just very pleased and proud that she liked Happiness Patrol. She didn't understand why people wouldn't like it. The only thing she didn't like was the Candyman's eyes. <laughs> Weren't they supposed to be like um, peppermints? Well, they were. They were. They were the swirly, spinny, high, like hypnotic. That's right. Mesmer. Which Mesmer I rewatched that too. <laughs> Ended up watching that Friday when I got home. That's it. Well, let's move on to news. First up in news, 
filming has concluded for the Christmas episode. Your note says Christmas special wrapped. And I thought, oh, <laughs> they wrapped perfect, it. Perfect, <laughs> perfect <laughs> Christmas story. Several people have tweeted about it, including uh, Jenna Coleman put in, sent out a picture on Instagram of a plate of cookies in front of the fire. <laughs> so, yay. So Jenna's done now then, right? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, Nick Frost said he loved every second of it. Oh, hey, by the way, by the way, by the way, speaking of by Nick the Frost... Way. Another thing we did is we watched the Phineas for the, this year's Halloween special, and um, <laughs> uh, oh, it's Sean, Sean and Ed dead. both show up in the story. The story is it's very zombie centric, but instead of it being zombies, Doctor Doofenshmirtz, who's kind of the quasi bad guy in it, he's, he's not. He's kind of a bumbling bad guy, but um, has built this. Um, what does he call it? Everything's an innator. Everything ends with an innator. You know the the. the the uh, disturbinator, and the, you know. The, anyway, this one is the uh, repulsinator. So it's supposed. To, he, he, if you don't know anything about Phineas and Ferb, he's this mad scientist, and he's jealous about his because his brother is like the mayor of the city, and he's always been the one that mom liked best, and everybody loves him, and nobody likes Doofenshmirtz. And mm-hmm. so, um, what he does is he builds this ray, and when his brother goes up to make a keynote speech, he's going to fire the ray at him and make him look repulsive, so that nobody will like him anymore, and then he can rise to power and take over the tri-state area. That's his big thing. He's trying to take over the tri-state area. And I like so, a villain that has his... He, he doesn't, Priorities set. Yeah, doesn't well, set it too high. It doesn't reach. He's for not too looking much. for the world. He's not looking, looking for the, the world. Just the tri-state area. <laughs> and so anyway, so <laughs> anyway, he he it comes up and it, something happens and it overloads and it shoots him. And when it shoots his brother, he actually turns into a copy of Doctor Doofenshmirtz. And of course, Doofenshmirtz <laughs> says. Oh, yeah, okay, I get it, nature. <laughs> Trying to teach me a lesson. Uh, anyway, but what happens is because it overloaded, every time the, a, he touches somebody, it causes electrical shock and transfers, so they all become doofenshmirtz. So there's several, di- so it's kind of that zombie-esque idea oh, yeah. that now we've got all these doofenshmirtz running around. And so they make cameos based on the fact that it's kind of a zombie-type oh. story. Um, nice. And it's it's called um, <laughs> was it Night of the Pharmacists because everybody <laughs> thinks Doofenshmirtz is a pharmacist because he runs around in a white lab coat all the time. <laughs> they think he's a pharmacist anyway. Anyway, it was it was completely hilarious. But I was I was I was so so shocked because I didn't know ahead of time that they were going to show up. And it must have been Simon Pig and Nick Frost because they sounded exactly like. Oh, they them. probably did. Exactly yeah. probably like fans them. of the show. And so yeah, so when they popped up, they pop up twice in it, and I was like, oh. Cool. <laughs> and, of course, I look at the kids and I think, you don't even get this reference. What's that one That's for, for Dad. <laughs> okay, sorry. In other news, um, many fans like Sean were hopeful that uh, Ian, <laughs> Ian Chesterton would turn up in The Caretaker. Uh, Gareth Roberts has spoken about the issue and why he was a, he was not in the episode saying he felt it would be too much of a distraction and something deserving of its own episode. He said, quote, I thought including Ian and the caretaker would be too much of a distraction. I think that's an episode all of its own. I thought particularly after the 50th, where there were lots of references to past Doctor Who, sometimes you just need to put your foot on the accelerator and keep going forward. 
He doesn't write it, rule it out in the future, though. He said, I'd love to see William Russell back in the, on the, in the show. It's so rich and so fertile for someone to do. You just have to explain it enough that everyone would get it. I don't think you explain it at all. I just think he shows up and the doctor goes, Chesterton? And that's the gag. Because, Chester, no, Chesterfield. Or Chesterfield. Or Chester Nuts. You have to or, correct anything. You know, anything that's not... Not Chesterton, and, and and that's where you you cut to the cut to the vortex, and we'd all be like, "Yay!" Anybody who's confused, well, by God, they can go look up the old episodes. <laughs> <and watch them. laughs> well, all it would need is a line of, "Yeah, he used to travel with me back in the day." Uh, there is a reference to uh, the censorites in the episode on the on the wall and underneath the Coles Hill motto during par- on the wall during parents' evening. It says, "A great spirit of adventure." <laughs> So at least there was a first Doctor reference. Okay. And assumedly, Ian set that... Uh, well, because that's what the Doctor said to him in the Zen's Rights, which we'll find out when we watch it. Cause, when well, I get I there. Have, I, have, I have watched it. <laughs> I can't wait on you guys. <laughs> I'm starting to get tired of waiting, too. <laughs> Uh, the last bit of news is... For the censorites or just in general? In general. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I haven't waited for Eighth Doctor stuff, so... Uh, Doctor Who Experience is going to reopen October 24th, rebranded with the Twelfth Doctor, speaking to you from the la- final days of Gallifrey. And there's a little 24-second teaser trailer. Which sounds so cool. very much cool. like uh, cool. Lull Award to me. It, it is Lull Award. Is it? Okay, yeah, I, it I couldn't find Lull. it anywhere when I went to look it up. Yeah, it is her. Awesome. Yeah, confirmed. So, a whole bunch of awesome stuff. Uh, tickets go on sale October 7th. If you're in the UK area and want to go check it out, we'd love a report of what it's like with the new stuff. Definitely. And the last bit of news is some guest announcements. Just some more guests announced for Gallifrey 1 next February. Uh, returning guest, Dan Starkey, who played Strax. Uh, Ingrid Oliver, who was... He's not only played Strax, he's played well, other Suntarn. He's played he? just about every Suntarn ever, but he's Strax. <laughs> um, he and that guy from The Young Ones. I can't remember <laughs> his name, the actor's name. He was also in Wizards and Aliens and Sarah Jane Adventures, if you really want to keep going. <laughs> I thought we were going to run through this. Ingrid Oliver, who played Osgood in the 50th anniversary Day of the Doctor. Uh, I cannot pronounce her name to save my life, so I will just say Martha Jones' mother. (laughs) And Angela Bruce, who was in the 7th Doctor story Battlefield and played Brigadier Winifred Bambera. So there's that. Yep. Exciting stuff! Yay! Yay. All right, I will get to see some of these people. <laughs> I have tickets. I have no hotel. Yet. Still have to find a place to stay. Just kept this by Might be cuddled up in a book, uh, a sleeping bag on the airport uh, terminal there. <laughs> All right, shall we move on to feedback? Uh, before we move on to feedback, we'd like to give a little shout out to Brenda, who Yay. supported us on Patreon. Yes, we Thank usually you, do this at the uh, end of the podcast, but since we've brought it up now, <laughs> if you want to be a Patreon su- uh, supporter as well, please go to our Patreon site and pledge. Um, for a very, very small donation, you can uh, help us continue 
putting forth this podcast on a week-to-week basis. Um, your support so far has um, actually uh, helped us to secure a server, which we have Yay. finalized, and we will be moving that over. And on that, no note, interruption. <laughs> on that note, um, there might be some downtime, but we are going it's, – it's supposedly the way it works is we shouldn't have any disruptions. But if we do, it would be a day or two at, at most. Um, we don't think you'll notice any disruption whatsoever, um, and we will do it on a time where there's not a lot of activity. So it won't be right before a, an episode posting or, or even right after an episode yeah. posting. It will probably be – um, late in the week, so uh, we'll let you know when that gets close, so that um, you're prepared for that. If you if you do experience any sort of um, gap time or anything in your in your feeds, and yes, please, we do need your continuing support because um, a server is not cheap, and it does cost us <laughs> to continue to up uh, to keep up upkeep. Um, and we should mention that if you are a Patreon supporter, we are putting together some nice little gifts exclusively for our Patreon supporters. So if you want to know what those are, you might need to become a supporter. (laughs) Um, And, of course, there are other ways to uh, help us uh, finance the podcast. Um, We do have an Amazon.com page or a store, and we do have um, a Spreadshirt store. So if you want to purchase merchandise from those, any proceeds for those, a portion of the proceeds from those, go to us as well. Actually, they go to this podcast. <laughs> I should make it clear that everything that we get goes into this podcast. So, No profit made. Nope. What's a profit? <laughs> That's why we all still have regular jobs. <laughs> in, other news, in other news, I retired this week. <laughs> all right. No, no, I did not retire. <laughs> I assure you. I did not retire. <clears throat> First up in feedback? Unfortunately. Lisa. Not no, unfortunately. Not, not unfortunately. <laughs> not unfortunately. No, not that, was, that was an unfortunate placement of that comment. Unfortunately, no. I have not retired yet. Unfortunately, you have not retired. Now, feedback. Now, Lisa. Fortunately, we have feedback from Lisa. And Lisa, you got this in. I, we hadn't posted. I noticed that this came in Monday. We hadn't posted the episode. So, unfortunately, we were already done recording and editing it. So. Unfortunately. So, that's okay, though. We'll still read it out. Just comment, question, hello, travelers in the vortex. Just some random or not-so-random thoughts on Series 8. Listen is an anagram of silent. Nether equals nadir minus astronomy. The point on the celestial sphere directly below an observer and diametrically opposite the zenith. Hmm. I did not understand the word of that. (laughs) What's, uh... Because he was sitting on the TARDIS, listening. So he'd been... What? No, that's a different thought. About nether equals nadir, nether sphere. Oh, the nether sphere. Got it. Okay. Well, then I don't understand it either. I thought I did. Uh, Squatty. (laughs) You're too smart for us, Lisa. (laughs) You're going to have to dumb down your feedback a little bit when you write in. I'm sorry. Continue. Squatty, a private in the army, a soldier in the private in a private army, or a member of the armed forces who thinks he's the God's gifts gift to women. Urban dictionary. So that's what they were saying. Ozzy loves Squatty. Ozzy loves Squatty. Got it. Courtney. Nick. Courtney played the brig. Hope everyone is enjoying the change of weather. Lisa. 
I didn't think about that. I wonder if Courtney's named after Nicholas Courtney. Maybe. If so, that would make her cooler. <laughs> I like uh, Back to Nether equals Nadir. I think she's... I think... Think? I think you think. Maybe it's not the strong... I'm not trying to she, put... No, no, I'm not trying to put words in her mouth here. But here's how I equated it is the Nether... She's talking about, I think, the afterlife, which is what the Nether typically is. Or or not even the afterlife, but the, the bad place you go in the afterlife. The, right. The, yeah. Whether you, whether you call it hell, whether you call it nether, whether you call it limbo, whether you call it purgatory. Um, and I think she's equating it to nadir, which is the point on a, cele- on a celestial sphere, sphere directly below an observer, who might be Missy, and uh, dynamically opposed to the zenith, which might be the doctor. Oh. I think is where she's going with that kind of esoterically or metaphorically or something. So correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, or let me know if I'm right and make me feel good. <laughs> I didn't realize that li- all these years didn't realize that listens an anagram is silent. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Had you is, ever heard that before? I, I, I had. I'm surprised I hadn't. Squatty, I did know, but I didn't know that's what she was. That they, all the kids were saying every time they would say. I got it pulled up far too late last week. Ah. That explains so much now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did know Squatty. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thanks. Thank Lisa. you, Lisa. Always good to hear from you. Up next, Phil of the Odd Duck Variety. Phil. Phil writes, comment, question, comment, comment, question, question, comment. We are going to kill, pause for effect, the moon. Wait, uh, you got a minute. You're out of order here. I'm out of order. There's an earlier one. There's an earlier one. Well, bollocks. (laughs) Be ready to read that. Do not pass go. You want me to take them both? Do the whole thing. Yeah. I'll do Comment, question, question, comment, do not pass, go. Feel better? Like it. All right. Hey, Hoopikins! The past couple of weeks I've been working overnight shifts to get ready for inventory, which means I've been listening to a lot of Vortex, including going back and listening to old podcasts. You guys are... Um, okay. <laughs> I feel like every time somebody writes in and says that, we need to apologize. But... <laughs> Depends on how old they go. <laughs> Last week. I'm only oh, shameful. I'm so sorry. Of, I'm only shameful of the first fifty, actually. <laughs> like student films. I was like, yeah, they're there, but I don't really want to talk about them. Um, last night was full of giggles as I got to hear Sean shout Umakavula several times, as well as hear everyone try their hand at Brian Blessed impersonations, along with lament the existence of mentally challenged cosmic bison. <laughs> oh, oh, he listened to space buffalo. <laughs> So without further ado, one, Fall TV and Gotham specifically. Thus far, I've only seen the pilot, and I see a lot of potential, but the ham-handedness is off-putting. I'm currently chalking it up to pilot syndrome and hoping it gets sorted out soon. I was aware they're going to plant several potential jokers throughout the show, but honestly, most fans are going to be scrutinizing anyone thin with a flair for humor and or violence anyway, whether the producers planned it or not. I really like the cast, and there's a lot of potential story-wise. Just... Lay off the obvious villain nods. The Nigma scene was approaching my pain threshold with its severe <laughs> obviousness. Yeah. Yes. I'm about 80% of the way through season one of S.H.I.E.L.D. I assume that means Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then I'll be ready to catch up on season two. Oh, not the uh, Michael Chiklis. Not the Michael Chiklis. <laughs> it, could it could be. It could be. Knowing Odd Duck Phil, I'm going to say it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited for Arrow and Flash this week, and I'm chomping at the bit for Legend of Korra last season. 
man, I distinctly remember a time when I wasn't watching much television. <laughs> as far as Gotham, uh, I didn't notice a Joker reference in episode two, unless I missed it. The two of the kids in the sewer were supposed to be... Uh, the question was: the, the two of the kids were captured. The ones that were taken, uh-huh. uh, the the older boy and the younger girl. All I saw this week was everybody going, "Was that the Joker and Harley Quinn? Young um, Joker and Harley Quinn?" Well, that's not enough. Of one and I got the same thing. Unless you're looking, that's for the it. one they were okay. looking at. So, uh-huh. I was okay with it. I just now realized that I didn't see it, so I wasn't like I didn't oh, see I it either it. until I got online, and then they went. I went, "Oh, okay, that sure." If you that. really want to reach, yeah. <laughs> All right, number two. <laughs> Constantine was the Roman emperor you were looking for last episode. Thank you, Phil. It was also the name I kept yelling at the iPod that can't hear me. <laughs> you know, ironically, I went home that night and was flipping around to see on Hulu to see when Constantine started because I knew it's coming to, and went, oh, that's that emperor. <laughs> <laughs> at least you realized it. I did. At least you cared enough to... Realized I, it that. wasn't even a it wasn't even a conscious effort. I had gone home to Hulu because <laughs> I knew that uh, Arrow and Flash were starting. Now th- that was last weekend, so the following week, and then that's when I thought, oh, I wonder when Constantine starts. And I went flipping away. Oh, Constantine. That's when, That's it. When is that <laughs> That's next week as well, I believe. Is it? Yeah, or the week end of the month, there. isn't it? With Grim. Oh, I think you're right. It is. It okay. is. It's two weeks from now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of went home, and that whole conversation went. <laughs> Didn't think about it, but thanks, Phil. For, yes, uh, thank you, Phil. For, 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 because that after that night was out of my mind, and I forgot to bring it up. <laughs> so Phil reminded us. Three. I don't think I chimed in on this, but I love the new intro. I love the clock motif at the beginning, as now the open involves both space and time. Four. The caretaker. I really liked it. I'm perfectly fine with an occasional episode where the Doctor has to take care of something he feels is somewhat menial simply because there's no one else to do it. And Capaldi's Doctor and his interactions with non-companions is always a riot. I feel that while we did see something similar with Power of Three, the beginning showing Clara trying to balance TARDIS and non-TARDIS life was both enjoyable and something worth talking about again. And yes, the Doctor has has been more anti-soldier in this incarnation than usual. But think about it this way. How many soldiers in the Time War and on Trenzalore died either carrying out the Doctor's orders or because of those orders? I wonder if his disdain isn't a defense mechanism to keep, help him keep his distance and not get too close. Take a good look at Capaldi's face as Danny calls him out. Pink has him dead to rights, and he knows it. And they've hinted at something bad happening during Danny's soldiering days. Perhaps they're more alike than they know, hence the clash. I have no doubt a lot of this will come back before Series 8 is over. I'm actually surprised Danny didn't report the device he found, given his war experiences. Enough time with IEDs, and I imagine any strange or out-of-place object would be putting him on edge. As for the jump, I honestly hadn't given it a moment's thought until it was brought up on the podcast. (laughs) It was probably the first thing they thought of that was remotely practical, and they went with it. In hindsight, it is a bit silly, but it wasn't enough to take me out of the moment. That's all for now. Hopefully I can get the next episode watched prior to the podcast. If not, I'll just chime in next week. Odd Duck Phil. P.S. Can Sean shout, Amakavula! One more time. Dive! What was the jump? Over the dog. Over, over the... the... Oh, 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 the flip over. Okay. The flip. Danny's jump. Danny's jump. Gotcha. Phil, your second bit of feedback made it in in time. He continues. Comment question, question, comment. We are going to kill, pause for effect, 
the moon. I think you're supposed to read the pause for effect. <laughs> well, if I didn't, you'd just wonder why I paused. God. He wanted to make sure it was on, they knew it was Phil's directions, not Sean taking imperative with the content. Yeah, Sean takes enough imperative with content as it is. <laughs> feels like he needs to point it out when he's being instructed to do so. <laughs> Hey, who beacons? Quick addendum, as I was able to see Kill the Moon, hopefully before podcast time. I think I really liked the episode, but this one's going to take a few more viewings to be sure. It was definitely a game changer and full to bursting with tension and emotion. So is that why I currently feel so strongly about this episode, or was it also a well-crafted story? It starts with a great question that has been asked before with slight alterations in previous Who seasons kill one innocent, or potentially let billions more die? Granted, this is Doctor Who, so we all know the right answer. <laughs> but in the real world, sadly, I know my answer, and it would not please the Doctor one bit. I understand Clara's reaction to the Doctor leaving her to make the choice, and while he could have handled it better, I obviously see why he couldn't make this call for her. To make that choice for Earth, whether asked to or not, <clears throat> would make him no better than the Master, Davros, or any of the other thought that... Who, any other who thought that superior intellect or power gave them the right to manipulate the destiny of another species. The doctor did declare what my father did to me, and I'm sure other parents did, when it was time to ride without training wheels. He let go. And like Clara, I was furious and terrified and wanted nothing more to do with him for a while. And I really like how Danny handled the situation. A lesser man would have used the situation to drive a further wedge between Clara and the doctor. But he seems to truly care about her and knows how much her relationship with the doctor means to her. So he just told her exactly what she needed to hear. And Courtney. Definitely a step up from the last miners aboard the TARDIS. I doubt she'll be a future companion, but I wouldn't be against it. All right, that's all for me. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. And Sean's... Hamakavula! Odd Duck Phil. P.S. The next episode looks to be companion light. And the doctor was absent from a fairly good-sized chunk of this one. So was Kill the Moon the Doctor Light episode of the season? I don't know. I don't know. Good question. They seem to have gotten away from that. Like in Matt's run. There really wasn't... There was some, but they were still there. I don't know. I think they, they better utilize their filming. Because while he wasn't... He was there a lot in, like, <coughs> um, The Girl Who Waited. But it was all filmed in one, one chunk, so he could not have to be there the whole time so i think they're getting away from the true doctor or companion light aspects they're still shooting the two, filming. two episodes at the same time though in the season yeah i just read that i can't remember which two they were consecutively shooting this season but yeah, there's one this season mm-hmm. too so but I'm, I'm with you i don't notice it as much <clears throat> I wonder it's, if it's just a, a matter of a more <laughs> clever plotting or, or editing or something to make it not feel like a doctor uh, Light episode, and it could but. be Better budgeted yeah. now, yeah, because it's a too. bigger success. And well, but that's better. what I'm saying. They are still obviously still having the budget issues because they are well, still, still shooting two, two, yeah. But wasn't it originally partially contract issues that they only con- contracted them for a certain amount of episodes, or was it just they were filming so many at the same time that they couldn't? No, it was yeah, it was it just was, filming. It, well, I, I think it was a little bit of both. it was a little bit of both. If I remember yeah. correctly, it was because of the Christmas special that they wanted to get that in yes. that they couldn't. They can only do thirteen episodes, and so or uh, yeah, they only get they they can do thir- they're trying to do thirteen episodes in a twelve episode uh, block of shooting is what it is. See, but yeah. now they're pushing the Christmas weeks. episode back too in their filming schedule. 
Because there was a gap between wrapping season eight and wrapping the, this Christmas special. Oh, there always has been. But oh, was there? That Even still counts. Then? That still this counts as this budget. They budget all the way through to that. So, oh, yeah. Okay. You know. hmm. Interesting. But maybe it is. Of course, I don't know. I kind of thought deep, at times I thought Deep Breath was Dr. Light. So. <laughs> <laughs> True. No, I think he's right. I think they've just. They're, they're I, 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 I agree. I think now. it's just. And, and it's not as noticeable. Yeah. All right. Up next is Chrissy. And Chrissy writes, The moon is an egg. Dear Vortex Boys, You know, I could write an insightful review about how Kill the Moon is a masterful character study of the Doctor and Clara's relationship that explores what happens when the Doctor pushes his companion too far. I could write about how Clara is totally justified in calling him out for his ir- irresponsible stunt of leaving her and Courtney behind to make a really, ter- to make a really terrible decision. I could write about how this whole thing mirrors Tegan leaving the Doctor at the end of Resurrection of the Daleks and hope that the Doctor takes this as a wake-up call to mend his ways and stop treating people like crap. I could write about how creepy the spider-slash-germ things were. I could wonder why Courtney was needed in this story at all and how I didn't really care one way or another about the other astronauts. I could also wonder if Clara is going to come back and theorize how that might happen. I could write all that, I'm sure, but I cannot. For the simple fact that I am still hung up on the line, the moon is an egg. I mean, the moon is an egg. Like, what? Why? How does that even work? I can't decide if it's brilliant or silly. Is it even really that much of a threat? I've let a lot of... Goofy Doctor Who stuff slide because I've found other things around the goofy stuff that's pretty good and insightful. But I may have reached my own limit here with the moon is an egg. (laughs) It's just, it sounds like something the tinfoil hat brigade would say. (laughs) I still don't get it. I'm still not over it. I may never be over it. Just the moon is an egg. Nope, still not computing. <laughs> Chrissy. <laughs> oh, Chrissy hit on my problems this week. Chrissy did right back in. P.S. Almost forgot in my The Moon is an Egg induced haze <laughs> to announce that this month for the book club we will be reading Forever Autumn by Mark Morris. Appropriate for Halloween, don't you think? Details are at Goodreads page. And she's got a link, and we will add that to the notes. Thank you, Chrissy. Which that's one we've all read. I am going to Goodreads right now I, to I, deliver feedback <laughs> <laughs> because I've read that one. Uh, that's one I pushed um, last year. Yeah, I, I can I can contribute something finally to this <laughs> book club. <laughs> Missing out on our last bit of feedback comes from Megan. She writes spiders. Why did it have to be spiders? <laughs> hey, guys. Making a thousand points for invoking the almighty Indy. <laughs> well, at least I don't have to eat my hat now. <laughs> Goodness, this episode was a roller coaster. The tone was suitably tense and dark, thanks to Murray Gold and directive stylings of Paul Wilmhurst, who I'm very glad is back next week. And while I could go on and on about the way... The way too creepy and skittery spider bacteria, and how much I like Courtney and the brilliant acting of the head astronaut woman whose name I can't remember. I'm going to launch right in. I'm going to launch straight into the lose last 15 minutes. Putting it out there straight away. I'm very much on Clara's side. 
I'll admit, at first, when the doctor didn't want to make the big decision and decided to leave it to the humans, I actually understood where he was coming from. Not wanting another huge planet-defining decision on his conscience, I completely get it. Plus, we've already seen in the Silurian two-parter from Series 5, when another gray area temporal tipping point was present, that the doctor will leave it to the species involved to deal with. The fact that he completely left and made Clara think he wasn't coming back, and that the doctor knew that the egg hatching wouldn't harm the Earth, wouldn't harm Earth, and that the planet would most likely be fine, and that he didn't share that info with, with her was enough to justify Clara's reaction in the end. I don't doubt that the doctor had the best intentions, and that he really thought he was being respectful. This doesn't excuse his behavior, and I'm glad Clara called him out on it. I'm not going to lie. I was deeply affected in tearing up at Clara's speech. Jenna was incredible in portraying how scared Clara had been and how hurt she was that the doctor had put her through that alone. And I think the doctor was baffled by her reaction and was completely speechless because he genuinely doesn't think he did anything wrong. I'm very interested to see how things move forward from this point, and I'm curious to see if the doctor accepts accepts that he's been acting poorly and makes changes. Or maybe things will get worse first before they get better. Either way, I can't wait to find out. Oh, and I love this episode, in case that wasn't made clear. Megan. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Megan. Megan. Was it our turn? It's our turn. Let's do our review. Kill the moon. You didn't pause for dramatic effect. I'm pausing now. Okay. In the near future, the Doctor and Clara arrive on a decrepit shuttle, making a suicide mission to the moon. Crashing on a lunar surface, they find a they find a mining base full of eviscerated corpses, spider-like creatures scuttling about in the dark, and a terrible dilemma. I have been struggling since I watched this last night with what I was going to give it. And now that I'm here, I still don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it either. There are moments and a lot of the story and a lot of the action and the acting and the directing and and there's so much of this that I want to... Because I think parts of it were just absolutely brilliant. And there's a really big fundamental problem that I've got with with several of them that I just can't quite commit to that. There's about... This is one I, for me, I think is just going to... There's about 35 minutes of it that's dun-dun-dun for me, not as enthusiastic as you gave it, but a dun-dun-dun for me. And then there's the last 15 minutes of it that I don't know what the heck to do with. And then there's the moon is an egg. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, by the time that reveal came, I was just like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> okay, so I, I, I was okay. I was okay with the ride, and they just gave that, and I was like, uh. let's, "I'm going to tackle that first. <laughs> but they gotta land there for the Cybermen. <laughs> There's a uh, you, you all know that I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and um, Gene Roddenberry who created Star Trek, is known as the Great Bird of the Galaxy. I'm not really even quite sure why, other than maybe he was the chicken that laid the egg that became Star Trek. I don't, I don't get it. 
But they they refer to him as the, the great bird of the galaxy. Anybody who ever talks about Roddenberry in an interview says, oh, the great bird of the galaxy. Yes, we did this. Well, Peter David, who's one of my favorite authors, wrote uh, a, a series of books that basically kind of stole a couple of different characters from a couple of different ships in the next-gen time frame, put them all together on one ship, and sent them off to go explore an unexplored area of the galaxy. And they're written with Peter David's very tongue-in-cheek style. He's not quite to, like, Douglas Adams' humor, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of moments in his books that you just you find yourself laughing out loud as you're reading the book. And the first set of four stories that kind of make up the, the first... It's, it's technically four novels, but they're small enough. It's really kind of one big story. Deal with a planet that is in this disputed territory, and people are fighting over it, and then it turns out that it is an egg. And the planet hatches and out emerges the great bird of the galaxy. (laughs) And I laughed my head off because it was like, this is so meta and only a Star Trek geek would get it. And I love it. It's awesome. And it, it, it just, it was, it was so much fun that I didn't put any thought into what laid the egg. I don't care. (laughs) It's just the planet turned out to be an egg and you were all fighting for nothing. So when we got to that moment in Doctor Who, and he says, the moon is an egg, I just went, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was touchdown Miami. I, it was fun. It was so, and it fits. It's a Doctor Who thing. It's so totally a Doctor Who thing. Only Doctor Who could do this, other than Peter David in a Star Trek book. It's, it's, it's just that nutty of an idea that's like, yeah, why not, you know? It wasn't until afterwards that I thought, well... I, I kind of formed the thought while watching it. So it took how long to hatch? Really? Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. Why? How? How? Long? That's a ridiculous gestation period. It, I, I think if I would have <laughs> said that wasn't one of my problems, I think I, I, think I would have swallowed the whole idea a little easier if. if <laughs> Wait, dinosaurs. It's obviously not terrestrial. Well, if if hang, dinosaurs hang on a had, that's what killed the dinosaurs. Hang on a moment. In combination well, of what we, happened we, previously. We don't know. Uh, in combination of Adric. <laughs> well, that's true. We do know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I, we, we don't know how many we don't times know anything about this. Yeah, the, the moon I, has hatched. That's, that's the just, thing. This is the first time in recorded human history that it's hatched. So... I, I you're kind of, you're okay uh, with it being an egg, but not okay with the gestation I, period of four billion years. That seems a little ridiculously long. Maybe every couple thousand years. Because they could have tied they could have tied the egg hatching previously to the basis of religions. Why can't it have a million year gestation period? I don't understand. I that. just have a hard. That's my that's my point. <laughs> Chrissy's is the moon has an egg. That's your hang up. That's my hang up. <laughs> a million year gestation. Period. It, it's a, it's a. That thing. wasn't a million. It was billions of years. Is it billions? That's a, he said something about uh, billions yeah. of years alongside your. Earth. I thought he said millions of years, but I don't know how old the moon is at this point. So I don't know either. You could have said millions, and I heard billions with a Scottish <laughs> accent. <laughs> the gestation period of the moon. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I swear I'm not. I am. The, the, statement, the statement alone is funny. Sorry. <laughs> I expect you to laugh. <laughs> Things I never thought I'd do. <laughs> Gestation period of the moon. Um, 
That statement's funny. <laughs> There's your episode title right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's going to be Great Bird of the Galaxy <laughs> until he came along? <laughs> well, the, the Doctor Who, I think it's the Great Tick of the Galaxy or Parasite, whatever it was. I don't know. I just didn't have a problem with it. And maybe maybe it was because I was forearmed with Great Bird of the Galaxy maybe. that I well, you know, went into that. But, but it was, even the hatching part, and it re- uh, I still thought, okay, there still needs to be a moon there, or else there's going to be huge problems. And then it fixed itself, and I was okay with it. It was just that initial building to the hatching. I was like, Really? It's well, see, that see, long I, would, hatch? I would think that's more of the problem that you would have than any of it. That it has a however long gestation period as an egg, and then it finally hatches and immediately lays another egg. <laughs> that to me, is, I think at that point I just swallowed. <laughs> I think at that point I just swallowed the idea of right the gestation there. period and was just like, whatever. Well, Tribbles are born pregnant. Well, that's back. Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it has to have such a long gestation Cause period. Because it's, <laughs> it's also got a very long pregnancy. Because it's got to hatch a second one, or I guess it, I guess it's, it's got to lay a second one. Yeah, lay a second one, and impregnate itself. Do, do you do you think? See, I'm really I'm glad we went with the egg first. Because <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the episode was great. It was creepy. It was dark. It was thrilling. I liked Courtney. I didn't think I was going to when she showed up again, and I didn't I, realize I, it. Even I didn't though like I'd her seen in the last episode, even though I'd and, seen the previews, yeah. when she showed up again, I was shocked, and I thought, "Oh, I'm not going to like her. She's going to be one of Clara's wards that we had in Artie and what's her name yeah. from the last one." And and I thought, "Oh no!" Last I, time we thought we really enjoyed her. I did, thought she was. Did fantastic. we talk at all on? Oh, she, I, 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 there were a, it was a good she character. She grew on me too. Yeah, well, she, it was a good yeah. character. She, I didn't like her at first, and then she. Came, That's and, why it was good character and then she development. Didn't, yeah, yeah, she didn't. She couldn't deal with it and left and posted things to Tumblr and, and came I've, back. And I've, I've seen people post. What was the point of this character? And I don't know why you didn't see that. The point of this character was that it was a learning experience for the Doctor. It was a teaching experience for Clara. It was, a, and while well, in turn, it, it was a teaching experience for the Doctor. In the in the long run, it was a counterpoint in. The decision making, and she was really the smartest person in the whole place. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it, it was wonderful character. She's the one that swallowed the idea that it was an egg easier than anyone <laughs> she else. Had no problem with it. I'm sure she would have had no problem with the gestation period either. <laughs> well, she didn't mention it, so I'm assuming. You know. Did we talk about this on Mike? The 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 um, oh god, it just flew out of my head. Um, back up what you just said about oh the uh, the kids, the um, Artie and. I can't remember the other girl's name. Uh, Artie Maitland and uh, I only remember Artie because I play with him and uh, Doctor. Who yeah, I well, I still don't like her. You're stupid. Um, <laughs> anyway, apparently there was a different end game for the kids' story arc in in that, and oh. it was the realization that Stephen Moffat was going to have to figure out a new way around Christopher Eccleston not appearing in the fiftieth. That caused them to create the War Doctor, and it truncated Gaiman's story in oh. order to get into that lead-in. So there was there was a fundamental behind-the-scenes problem with why that episode kind of fell apart at the end. Angie, huh. Angie, I um, did not know that. I I don't I remember where, I, where I don't remember where now I read that, but yeah, it was apparently be, be, it, it all stemmed from the fact that everything was apparently moving ahead. That that's what Moffat had he had talked to Chris and kind of got a soft commitment on. Yeah, okay, we'll see. So he started planning and putting everything in motion and wrote it that way. And then when Chris bailed, he had to turn around and, okay, now what? 
because I've got this slot for the doctor that I don't have a doctor, so he invented the war doctor at that point. But then in order to introduce the war doctor, they had to cut Nightmare and Silver short in order to be able to set up the pieces to still make sense. (laughs) I did not know that. That's cool. So there's a part of me that kind of hopes that... He'll do an novelization. Yeah, something that'll fix it. Because I agree with you guys, I didn't like those kids at all. And, you know... Neil Gaiman writes wonderful kid stuff, so I hope there's, there's got to be a reason for that. But well, we kind of theorized that there was some sort of behind-the-scenes issue with yeah. the kids, anyways. So there was that. Um, okay, so where were we before that? We uh, everything else was wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I, everything was wonderful. There was there was a little most of it was little wonderful. problems. Most of it was wonderful. I liked Courtney. I really and this, this. You liked her last. Week. I liked her last week, but th- yeah. this episode really kind of showed. Oh, I was fine with her last week. I, I just did, I thought I wasn't going to like her this week. This this episode to me kind of showcased. <clears throat> this is what I was hoping for. Is I wanted that character arc to you know I wanted to see Courtney develop and become you know come along a little bit further. Some growth, and so. you know we we get a gag right off the bat with you know I brought Windex to clean up the <laughs> spillage. <laughs> And then it becomes useful when she's killing spiders with it. It's yeah. like, oh, this is so Kills cool. Kills ninety nine percent germs. Yeah, I, you know. <laughs> so I, that was just that was great, and I really and that she went and got the vortex manipulators or sea sickness things. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I just there, there were so many nice little moments, and I liked the fact that because she's still a kid and she was like, I don't want to be here anymore. You know that this is this is not cool. And so they go and they lock her up in the TARDIS. But then when things get to Which the point... Which is what they should have done in Nightmare and Silver. Yeah. But then when things get to the point where it's, you know, at that level of, well, the adults are talking. And then all of a sudden it's the kid going, well, hey, I don't want to go to bed yet. I, I, yeah. I need to be part of this conversation. And that they allowed her to come back yeah. Yeah. and take an active role in that. I thought that was so cool. Well, they didn't treat her like... A kid. A kid. Yeah. They, 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 they understood... How to treat her and didn't leave her out of the loop, and I liked that. I thought it was really well. And for all those people that are complaining that, you know, well, she, I, I've, I've been on the internet. And there's a lot of people that are complaining about, well, she was all whiny and she was scared and she had to go back. She's not going to make a good companion. To heck with you. She's a 14 year old girl. Yeah. And I know young kids, and when they get scared, they get scared, and you have to treat them with kid gloves. And it was, it was handled very no well, and then when scared, she yeah. was ready to take uh, interest in what was going on, they allowed her to come back in and take See, what, an what, interest in what was what going was, on. What they did really smart with her was they didn't make her a bratty snot. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly Which is what right. I felt like she was in the previous episode, in the previous I, episodes where we saw her, I, which is why I didn't like her. I didn't I, want her on the TARDIS. I know you, but you're exactly what you're saying, and I think that's why I thought... Because I didn't have a problem with that element in The Caretaker. Because it was such a small moment and such a small role that it was okay that she could be bratty. She could fill that trope, you know? So long as she doesn't... Then when she shows up again, I thought, oh, now let's not go there and have that brattiness pulled under the TARDIS. And she wasn't. And so I was much pleased by that. Also, no gymnastics. (laughs) Yeah, nobody lep over any spiders. At, at no point did she grab a parallel bar and kick a spider oh. into in, into orbit. So I was that the thousand points right there for figuring this out. Uh, no, I thought everything about that was really cool. And it, uh, like you said, that you know, kids get scared. And I, I, I'm sorry, I think it'd be kind of nice to have a proper scared companion again. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's it's, so gung ho. It's been a while since we've had to deal with. Deep-rooted terror. 
<laughs> that the companion was feeling that we lived vicariously well, through that. Especially coming on the heels of her and or Clara and Danny's conversation of you, sh- you weren't scared and you should have been scared during that whole thing. So it's nice to see somebody scared again. Yeah, yeah. In, in, a, in a way, I think that's that's really kind of cool. So I'm, you know, maybe this is the end of it. I don't know, but I, I I'm sure. Well, I'm sure Clara will never let. Courtney near the TARDIS again at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, after the way that round up. But I, I thought that was very cool. Now, this is one of those things, and I, I am going to I'm going to come out and say this, but I'm, I'm, I want everybody listening to know that I'm putting on my kick gloves because I'm going to try and be very diplomatic about how I'm approaching this subject. I don't know about you guys. I don't know about anybody else listening out there. I very much felt like we had an abortion allegory going on with this. There was a little bit. Sarah mentioned it while watching it. I, I thought. I, so you're I, not the only one who I don't. Th- that. I don't think it was a little bit. I think it was very overt and very strong that it was, we can kill this life form or not, and that there is this whole thing. And from the standpoint that okay, if we're going to go there with it, my personal politics would really fall pretty much very on on par with the doctors that this isn't my decision. Oh, yeah. This is something that you need to figure out. And I think it's very interesting that the decision was left to three women. Mm. That, that that's who the, 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 the story, you know, is, is following and their, you know, rationales for doing things to the point where he even leaves the room. <laughs> he, leaves he leaves the, the planet. Room. He leaves everything. He's gone. And and so I, I, I can understand and kind of agree with that. Now, I don't understand the rationale of putting Clara through that alone at the at not being supportive, and, and I thought all of the people who wrote in tonight they gave him some wonderful reasons and some rationales, and it, it's it's kind of helped me a little bit. But one of the things that I was struggling with was this episode is when Clara calls him out, deservedly so. The look on Capaldi's face is so utter bewilderment that he does not understand that he did anything wrong and he does not understand why she's upset and he, he just literally doesn't get it. Yeah. That, honest to God, scared me. Hmm. I am excited by this move to a more alien doctor. Don't get me wrong. But I almost, you know, it's it's as frightening as it is exciting. Because you cannot tell me that in 2,000 plus years of traveling with mostly human female companions that he hasn't picked up on some of this. And I, 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 I worry that we're maybe pushing that boundary in a direction that it, it, it's... There's got to be a different way of allowing him to be alien without having him be a complete jerk. Hmm. And what he did... Despite all the rationale and 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 thing, and maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm freely, you know, frequently am. But that's the part of it that I'm just having the hardest time wrapping my head around because there was so much of his dialogue as he was saying it. I I just had these alarm bells going off in my head, going, no, 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 no. That's not that's not the doctor. That's not the doctor. And I remember Stephen Moffat, you know, asked, somebody asked him, they said, well, how do you write for this doctor versus that doctor? And he said, you don't. You just write for the doctor and the actors do the rest. But so much of what Capaldi said in this episode, I could not hear Tom Baker saying. Although I could not hear Matt saying. End, on the beach, I could hear anybody else saying. I could, yeah. It's, and, but but 
you were talking specifically about tenant, but the the, the post the, that yeah that's the, the actual basis for his argument of not getting involved. Yeah, I I, just, I, See, I, I I listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. I couldn't hear anybody else come up with that same rationale. And I know he's a different man. I know obviously, but it. I it, think I think it's part of know. a bigger theme and a bigger storytelling method that Moffat is using for the entire season. So I think it's a small element that I can't form a decision on it yet. Because I hope I, so. I, I, hope I don't, that's I don't we're think at. we're done with it. I think the fallout is going to change our perspective of that scene. I, I, I hope so. Rationale I really and Clara's hope reaction. So because I think it's all going to play into it. I really hope so. Because I'll be honest, it was, it was really kind of a turn-off. At, the, at that point, for like, I don't know how I feel about this. Well, and it was kind of foreshadowed from last week. Yeah. So that that's what makes me think it's going to be a bigger, well, it's we, a bigger we, thing. And we talked about this at the beginning of the season, that these two personalities were not going to peacefully coexist for long. That there yeah. was eventually going to be some sort of build-up to this kind of moment. And it just happened to be this. Um, and going back to, uh, to touch on the abortion thing for a moment, the other thing that I thought was a little... I don't want to say odd, but it, it struck me funny. Is I genuinely like my Star Trek to do social allegory stories, and to come out and do something that's actually a contemporary story, but it's set in a science fiction motif, and you're kind of getting that play on it. And I always think that's really cool. I'm not sure how I felt about my Doctor Who doing that, and maybe I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world for saying that. But Doctor Who for me has always been whimsy, and it's an escape, and it's you know. That's why the moon is an egg. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm, you know, I can totally be there with that. But it seems odd that that moment is couched in this heavy drama for 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 the most of the episode. I don't. Am I wrong for you know, or am I misguided? I think there are a lot of times when who is whimsy, but there are still a lot of times where there's a lot of allegory in it. I mean, look at Genesis of Daleks. Look at Happiness Patrol. I mean, there are, yeah, there, are, there are a lot of episodes throughout, while there are fun romps and just monsters, even sometimes the monsters are allegories, yeah. like Cybermen. I mean, there's, it may be heavier handed, maybe in Star Trek than in Doctor Who, but I, I think the allegory is in Doctor Who just as much. Hmm. <clears throat> Number one, I did not see the abortion allegory, but now that you point it out, I can see that being a possibility. Although I don't, I I didn't get that from it, and I didn't. I didn't, didn't feel no. I didn't at the time. I didn't feel like that was where they were going. Now, quite possibly could, and it makes me think twice about that scene that you've brought that up. But I'd have to ponder on that a little more. I've spent a good chunk of this podcast the, over the last three years being the one saying. It's not my doctor. It doesn't feel like Doctor Who. I'll come right out and say that I've been the one that's been probably the most vocal about the doctor wouldn't do that, or this isn't a doctor thing, or this. And for once in my history of watching Doctor Who, I'm actually taking this season and going, I don't care that that's not how the doctor is. Because, and I don't know, I can't exactly put my finger on why. But I'm thoroughly enjoying, and it's not just because I've got this apparently man crush on Peter Capaldi. 
<laughs> he's your Nathan Fillion. He's but I like Fillion. Wh- I like where we're going. I like where he's going with this. I like where Moffat's going with the storytelling. It feels like an evolution, and I think maybe this is this is part of the reason why, is because because Doctor Who for fifty years has been the Doctor is this way, the companions are this way, the story goes this way, and now suddenly I'm seeing that we can kind of evolve television and we can evolve elements of Doctor Who in such a way that I hadn't considered or thought that it's almost refreshing to see kind of a new approach kind of a doctor that that, that is prickly that sets well, me off that is a little you know off off the rails and, and sets the whole series just off kilter a bit the whole thought and idea of what we have supplanted in our minds that the doctor is, has to be a certain way. The doctor has to do certain things, and by putting that on tilt, because we haven't, he hasn't distanced himself from those traits that we recognize. But he's just slightly off a lot of times, and he makes us think, and he makes that I'm actually enjoying that. And Keith said it very well that I think that Moffat is formulating this entire motive and arc over this season that we've got, we still haven't got to that point. And I don't want to formulate a decision on these little things that they bother me too deep inside. I'm not I'm not as upset or bothered by them maybe because I'm I'm trying to look at the the whole picture. But there are the little moments that kind of I go, ooh, that's not quite the doctor. Ooh, that's not very doctor like. I still I hate I hate to be that fan, you know. But but I'm with Keith. I think there's an overall thing that this this is going to be a life lesson for this regeneration. That something's going to. Snap. But on the flip side of that, I also like the fact that we're evolving and we're trying new things. We're doing something just a little bit different with Dr. Who, who we just got done celebrating a 50th anniversary. (laughs) So let's go somewhere a little different. Let's, and and it's, it's probably going to ruffle a lot of favors, uh, feathers. It's probably going to upset a lot of fans and we might see a a division (laughs) even more so than we have (laughs) since the new series came back. Um, but I'm ready to kind of ride that out and see where we go with it. And so the majority of this episode to me felt like a Doctor Who episode. And I think you were saying that as well, is that there were a lot of things in it that was like, this is very Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. We had, and I we had the scary fact, spiders. We I were on the, the moon. Fact, who had, wrote, you know. Did Moffat write this one? Moffat did no, not write this. This is, the first, this is only the second one this season where his name's not on the Not plan. on it. So, and, and I like the idea, maybe because, well, again, I don't think we had any... Uh, we didn't have any Missy this time, did we? Nope. No. Okay. Anyway, which is probably knows why. Wow, people. But I like I like this. I like, oh, you're right. I like painting this idea of difference. Now, my thing that I come. Oh, go ahead. And, and, and it's different, but not at the same time. Because last week or a couple of weeks ago, somebody pointed out how he's much more like the first Doctor. It's almost like going back to the original roots. Of the character in this incarnation, and so that's how I bit. kind of I kind of see the way he reacts sometimes. Is yeah, that's kind of how William Hartnell would have reacted in some situations. Well, and I think it, there, there's a part of it that I, I, I've been I've really been dwelling on this a lot since last night, and I think part of it is moving away from. We've had a pretty good seven year span of fanboy gushing over the Doctor. 
the way yeah. RTD wrote the Doctor, it was always this epic mythic, you know, the oncoming storm, and there was always this 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 awe in people's voice when they talked about this mysterious figure in the blue box, and we as fans were right there. We were those people because we were those people. Yeah. We were we were along for that ride, and so when they talked about the, you know, that he's he's the fire and ice and the heart of the storm is he's wonderful, and the, it's like yeah, I mean you get it. And we got that. And then we had the fairy tale elements of the Matt Smith years, which were very whimsical and, and that kind of stuff. And so to step away from all of that and kind of go this direction, where there's a part of me when, when you know, Claire and the doctor have the discussion about it, you told her she's no one special. Well, she isn't. And it's just like, oh. That's, that's something that I was kind of like, well, how many times has the doctor always said everyone's special? He's, and that flies in the face of... You that's know. exactly where I'm coming from. Yeah, that's, that's exactly where I'm coming from. Is let's do something different. Well, and, and how many times has the doctor reassured people that are special? And and it almost come to expect it. Nine hundred years of space it. travel. I've never met someone that who wasn't important. Right. And, and it's so until all of a sudden do that. Now then he turned around and put her as the first woman on the moon. It. But still, that's just it. <laughs> but that's to make it up to her. But I think that's that. I think that is a little element of what is going to happen for the entire overall series mm-hmm. this this season. Is the idea of you're getting little glimpses of the doctor's learning how to basically be. Human again. That's the, the the cool thing about this doctor is this doctor is so alien that he's having to learn how to be human again. We had such a human doctor by the time we got to Matt Smith. Yes, he did quirky things that made him feel alien, but he was more <laughs> he human than humans. Alien, yeah. I mean, we talked about how the humans are always terrible. We, we yeah. the humans make bad decisions. The doctor has to make sure that they keep their humanity. And now we've turned that on its ear. The doctor doesn't have the humanity that we've seen for so many years. And I like that and he's learning. I think he's learning to 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 find that humanity again. And so I like that. I'm liking this trip. I'm enjoying that. I think it's 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 I, I think he's an isolationist too. I don't think he I think he'd be happier without a companion in some respects. But he knows that he, he needs, needs it to be. He needs well, organized. but he also think he. I think he needs Clara because he's used to it too. Well, yeah. And because he genuinely, you can tell he wants Clara to be there to help him to do things. Because I think, first of all, I think he realizes he could be reckless. And number two, I mean, this is the first time since David Tennant's Doctor went off by himself. But I, I keep thinking, yeah, the Doctor needs a companion again <laughs> because he's really, you know. He won't just get bored and shave off his head and hair and eyebrows. He'll actually do something that he probably they won't just regret. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how much of it is is the crutch that he really feels like it has to be Clara versus getting someone new. Getting somebody new. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and, and also in the season, going back to what you were saying about allegory and comparing it to new series. I can see what you're saying a little bit, that new series wasn't as allegory-heavy as I think classic series was. And so it's a kind of a return to that kind of story. Well, and I, I think classic series, too, when they would do I mean, you mentioned Genesis of the Daleks, which definitely. the Genesis of the Daleks is there are some you have World to War II, Hitler, and, and Nazis. Yeah. But Even we're, the Silurians, well, I think. We're dealing the with mutants, something that the mutants was imperialism and racism, and the I mean, there there are, there were. Yeah. I think there's a lot more political writings in the classic series than but, there are, especially in, in the Pertwee era. Yeah. But they're also, at least in my mind, they're more historical allegories versus well, they're only, modern day. They're only historical the to you because you didn't live in the time. Because if you look at Pertwee's era, 
a lot of the stuff was being written about apartheid was happening at the time. You had a lot of environmental things. If you look at the Green Death, I suppose uh, that's I mean, true. It, it, that all was being written. There's right no. beside. In fact, all these writers were writing allegory into it because they were so frustrated with what was going on in the UK at the time that this was a way to kind of vent that kind of frustration and, and make a look at the other side of things without out and out saying it. Okay, I'll give you and, that. And there's not a lot of the new series that I can think of that is the allegory. The only thing that I can think of, only because it's such a close adaptation or remake of the and the Silurians, is the two-parter from Series 5. Well, I think the whole church... As the an army idea was an allegory, and to some extent, it's to just some not extent, yeah, very, it's not as explored as well as other. I also think you so. have to take forty years, nearly forty years, thirty-some years well, of Doctor Who, and seven years of Doctor well, Who, eight true. years of Doctor Who, and <laughs> probably when, once we do another, yeah, once we do another thirty years, maybe there'll be as much allegory now yeah, as there was true. in the classic series. That's very true. That's a good point. But you're right; there is you can point. point to a lot more uh, allegory in the classic series. Valid point. I, 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 I don't disagree with you. I, like I said, the, the, the move to make this doctor less human is is, is exciting. And I'm, I'm, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm, it's a fascinating watch. And Capaldi, I don't know of anybody else that, I mean, well, obviously we're kind of limited with our, what <laughs> our choices are at this point. But I don't know of anybody else that I could see making me believe this as strongly as he is. You know what I mean? I mean, he. Yeah. We, we've talked episode after episode after episode. I can't believe we're on season eight, but or episode eight or earlier. Seven. Seven? I thought we were on eight. Episode seven. Is it only seven? seven. Okay. Well, I can't believe we're on seven already. Last week was the halfway point. Um, that he is. We, we've talked week after week after week about how good an actor he is and how much he is embodying this and and just really. Take no prisoners, you know, grabbing the roll by its bootstraps and running with it. Oh yeah. But I, I don't. I don't know of any. I don't, it's, I'm flabbergasted just at how how well this is. You know, I'm 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 at a loss for words. I, he, I can't come up with anything. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He's, he's taken it, and I don't see anybody. It, it's not Peter Polly. It's the Doctor when I see him on screen. Yeah. But he's, I mean, he's just embraced the role so well, and ran with it, and made it his own so much that it's just wonderful. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm excited by this move to alienness, but I I, I got to be honest, it does scare me, and I don't want to be that fan. I don't want to be that. Oh, I didn't like it because of this. Well, you know, it's the, the, we've said before, Doctor Who is a show that evolves, and so I want to be on board for that. And I'm trying to find. I'm still still searching. I'm still looking for those little nuggets of things to go, okay, I'm cool with this. And there were so many of them in this episode that I should have been... I, the yo-yo! Yeah, they yo-yo brought cool. back the yo-yo for a gravity test. That. that was so cool. But my, 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 that was another thing. Was it took me a long time to get and then it was finally done well with just one word that the moon is put on weight. That's why... Because he kept doing the jumping and I kept thinking, what, that's... They're they're coming up with some they're going to come up with some stupid reason for why they're not you know way lighter on the moon yeah. than they are on Earth and I kept thinking but well, I like we, that he touched on it immediately so I, we didn't well start. I kept and I kept thinking 
Are they going to give me some stupid answer so that they can explain why they didn't feel like they needed to do wire work or anything like that <laughs> or special effects here? And then when we said the moon's putting on weight, I went, well, I guess that would create more of a gravitational pull because if it's, if it's got more mass. That, yeah. And so it, it wasn't until the revelation that the moon is an egg <laughs> that that was like, okay, that was okay. That it made the gravity thing okay. I'm, I'm, here's my other the, thing. The gravity is, thing didn't really strike me until they got out of the shuttle. Because I initially thought, oh, well, it's just artificial gravity in the shuttle <laughs> that they're on. Yeah. The reason that I, I keep saying that 35 minutes of this was done, was very done, done, done. <laughs> and the last third of it, not even third, the last quarter of it is because I, I can't put my finger that's not I can't put my finger. I can't come up with a decision on this because everything that the doctor did was the right thing to do, and everything that Clara said was exactly right as well. Yeah, but the whole thing was still uncomfortable. Yeah. That's just it. I think the doctor did exactly what he should have done, but I think Clara was exactly right for the reasons why he shouldn't. Yeah. And so I'm at this. I, this is one of these episodes that I'm at this. I don't know what to think, and I think that it was it it was portrayed so well, and there was times that I was I, I was so angry and scared for Clara. Not really, but I mean, you know, I was in that I was in that same boat with Clara when they were there to make the decision, and he ran off, and I thought, this is horrible that you left and you made it and then he came back and then he explained why he did it and I went oh yeah no you're absolutely right that's what needed to be done you needed to take the training wheels off you need it and then she gives her impassioned speech and I'm back to the yeah why the, you you dummy why'd you do? and so I, I I don't know what to feel that was my problem I got done with this episode I didn't know what to feel I was so I, I was so uh <laughs> and then I still don't and yeah, then the, I, I still no I don't either that's why I can't I can't I can't say my this, feelings this, on this the last is, part this of this is, This is going to be an episode that I, I predict we're going to go back and we're going to be talking about this one for years. I can see why they said it was such a game changer. Th- this, well, that was the weird thing. is We got mostly through this episode and I kept thinking, how is this going to be a game changer? How is this going to be... Oh. oh. <laughs> this isn't just a fun romp. Uh, and then... The, and then, and then I, I don't even... The, I'm so on board with Chrissy with the moon is egg. That was the only thing that that's really the only thing that bothered me about this was the moon needed to be an egg with something with a gestation period of a billion years in order for this story to be told and in order for this story to be done in such a way that it was. But then there's the moon was an egg. <laughs> and I'm the same way. I don't know. I, I don't. That's I'm, so. I've got these two baffling things. <laughs> what happened in that last ten minutes? And the moon is an egg. The moon hatched. And I'm done reviewing this because I don't know what to do. I can't. Be, I can't. Be, I'm. I'm beyond flabbergasted that this is the hangout here. <laughs> the moon is an egg. You're fine with that. I am so fine with that. It just we had a spider at the center of the planet Earth for I didn't like millions that of years, but it. But it happened. Uh, <laughs> Why not spiders on the moon? 
No, they weren't spiders. Oh, they, they were being spiders. Jerks, which oh, 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 got creepy as heck, and I loved it. Man, the visuals were so good. They never actually got a really good terrible. view of it. I know that was that was genius. Thank God. And the line where the doctor's giving the orders, and then she says, uh, <laughs> "Who put you in charge?" He said, "Will you say when to run?" <laughs> Well, you say when to run. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the spiders, Wonderful or the bacteria, moment. or the whatever they're. Uh, thank God <laughs> that they had little red eyes all over them, whatever the glowing legs were. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. they. I have a problem with spiders. I am. Yeah. I, I thought I, of you I, while I watching do, this. Oh, I, I do too. There, there are moments like Harry Potter. When you know, I, I read the book and then went to go see the movie and dreaded it because I knew there were going to be this big spider scene with Aragog, whatever. And the big one had no problem with. I'm the same way. The bigger the they are, had no problem with. But the ones that are the size of Volkswagens, <laughs> I have. The bigger they are, the fu- I'm fine with them. But as they start to get down smaller and smaller to realize it, realism size, yeah, the small ones you can step on. Yeah. But the, <laughs> the, 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 the size of the car is like, uh, I, I, what I do you do? So, and the same thing, Return of the King. I went to yeah. two towers and sweated through three hours of that movie waiting for the spider to show up. And then the credits rolled and there was no spider. And I was I like, oh, man, you're going to make me dread this another year, aren't you? And that spider... That's not where that ends. Scared me. (laughs) And the spiders in The Hobbit scared me. I was more scared of the spiders in The Hobbit than the one in The King. So when this thing started... And of course, Mel was the first person to pick up on it. They they get to the thing and they go to the base and she goes, there's web on that. Did you see that? And immediately I'm like, oh, no. Now, there's a part... Did your mind go to you... To the Yetis at first? And I thought Yetis, and then I thought, because we're growing to the scene of a previous adventure. So I thought Yetis, and then I thought, because uh, I knew, obviously, as soon as they showed up on the moon and I recognized it as Lanzarote, it was like, throw that Which, out, we're not going to Planet of Fire. <laughs> there was part of me that was like, but it's too rocky, it's too hilly, and then the moon is breaking up and these great crevices, and I'm like, okay, that fixes it just fine. <laughs> this is a great location you, because you've put it. a gray filter on that, and it looks like the moon. That is so cool. <laughs> if the moon were being broken apart, <laughs> it looks like the moon to me. Otherwise, it would be, which it, it will be, be 2049. So yeah. that's what we have to look forward to. Yeah. But um, so the, after the Yeti, my next thought was, oh, maybe they're bringing back the the spiders. And then I thought, oh God, we haven't watched that one with Keith yet. <laughs> We, can't, we yeah. can't do Planet of Spiders. And I was like, I hope this isn't Planet of Spiders. And then they get inside, and there's more web, and then the thing started scuttling. And I, oh, oh that was sufficiently. It was, oh, that was it was so good. horrible. And then the thing jumped on them, and it was scary. And like you said, they they, they filmed it wonderful direction. It was filmed in such a way you never really got a good look at this thing. But thank God somebody in the design department said, we're going to make their legs grow, glow red. Because <laughs> you see I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Guess I what? really don't think I'd have been able to make it through this episode. One of the first the anthropomorphized aliens that I'd have a problem with. I was, well, they like, weren't I, I was like, that's fine. They didn't talk. No. <laughs> He's, he's got you there. Yeah, you got a point. <laughs> they weren't walking, talking, sentient creatures. Right, they were but, bugs. It, what, they were right. space bugs. One Literally. unimaginative change, okay. because that's what they also do, is they create earthbound things that we're familiar with, and then they make them alien, and they call them aliens, and a lot of things, I have, I have that problem well, as well. What but. was the... It almost brought to mind Pacific Rim and the parasites that were dropping off the Jaegers. Yeah. Or the, not the Jaegers. 
the uh, uh, the uh, kate kaiju kaiju yeah that's that's kind of it's the same idea so yeah. yeah i was totally on board with yeah that, that was cool and then when the oh, doc- even I'll take your word that. for that i still haven't seen and then when the doctor finds the uh, amniotic fluid and goes diving over the the hill into that it was like oh city of death you know this, this, there's so many little things in this that were like he yeah was like that. <laughs> and then i know what the, i know what's in the egg it's a space chicken. <laughs> a little too big for a space chicken. No, it's the mama space chicken. The, 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 baby, the baby goes to uh, haunt Vincent. I don't think That's so. what was in the moon, a space chicken. I, I, I think it's a, they kept equating it to an egg or to a chicken. It's <laughs> not ruin, a chicken. Don't ruin this beautiful moment, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That was the other thing that I liked. I liked that Courtney was there to dumb down the science for us. I really, that was another thing. It was a great use of her character. The character was used really, to, really to be well. The, you know, the moon is an egg. What, you mean like a chicken? No, it's not like a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, and then she gave the line of, if a chicken laid that, how big is the chicken? I, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if it's some of the same species as the space whale from A Beast Below. That's a huge creature yeah. to be in space. I mean, maybe that's a cousin. Okay. What's the gestation period of the space whale? <laughs> I don't know. Don't poke brains. Don't poke it's brains. More importantly, what's the what's the gestation period of a space buffalo? <laughs> oh god! Not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> the brain didn't develop. <laughs> All right. And the last thing I'll say about this, and and now I feel really bad because you made the abortion analogy, but I. I was the same way as, as Phil. I I was in the same position as the astronaut, as I thought, you know what? If this was my decision, I probably would have decided the same way. Well, Just due to the mere fact that you've been cohabitating in our space for a billion years, and life has, has flourished and grown and taken over Earth, and if there's any chance that you hatching to become life... For something that's been in gestation for a billion years, I would make the decision to save humanity over one life well, in an egg that's been circling the moon or circling the earth for billions of years. How many times in science fiction have we gotten the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and that's the right answer? So as science fiction fans, we're more likely to lean that way anyways because how many times have we oh, seen I that? Thought we, and, I thought as Dickens fans we were supposed to lean that Either way, <laughs> it, it's it, it, which sometimes is science fiction. As it's, we know. it's one of those <laughs> ghosts. Yeah, it, it's it's space whale. You know the the, the needs of that one versus the the, the people on the it, there. There's so many things now. I struggled with it watching it because there's uh, we, we come in a little it's, bit. On it's, the it's the allegory that it's a baby is where it gets kind of well, trickier. N- not necessarily. In, in, Just from the standpoint extent. that, I, as a viewer, I'm watching Doctor Who. I know what the right answer is. The right answer is you save the life. That's 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 always the right answer in this show. As a science fiction fan, I'm with you, going well, but the needs of the many. You know, that's that's there's no there's no real risk here. As a military fiction fan. Anytime we involve nukes, it ends badly. <laughs> we blow stuff up all uh, the time in movies, and it always but, comes back to bite us in they the did, butt. They did this right by having the doctor qualify that yeah. what they had planned would work. Oh, and he, so if the doctor he qualified that, that it would kill it, 
But I'm thinking more no, Armageddon says, style. That, you know, it, the fragments of no. moon rock come cascading. He says down he says that their plan would work with minimal uh, damage. Oh, did he specifically yeah, he did say specifically that? I must have zoned say, out. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Some collateral. Yeah, damage, he said there would be some collateral, but it, it would work. Dead body be, floating in space. Yeah, it's. <laughs> and he said the moon would still exist as is, but it would be. Yeah, the body would. The the the, the corpse. Would the be corpse dead. would. Yeah. Be, exactly. You know, reform the. Well, and then also going to the monster movies of even if they don't have malicious intent, they're hungry and want to feed. They're going to come to the next biggest body. Stuff that flashed in my mind too. It, it, it went through all of these peaks and valleys with, oh man, what is the right decision here? Yeah. And when when they came up with the you know on with the lights, off with the lights, and they were all on, and they were all on, and they were all on, and then they started to go dark, and I had that sinking pit of my stomach. Humans are so dumb. <laughs> I got angry all over again. That was like, why? Everybody turning off their lights like Transformers. That was, a, yeah, that was a little, yeah. It was heartbreaking to watch I'll that. tell you, though. But it, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I probably had to push the button. Here's so. the thing, though, is, and this is probably a terrible, terrible analogy, but this is the only one that I can come up with. When your child gets lice, there's usually only a few adults. And those are easy to take care of and get rid of. The, the bad thing about lice is the eggs that are left behind because those things will hatch and they will become adults and then you'll have an infestation. So I equated it to that idea that when you have to take care of a lice problem, the majority of a lice problem is killing the babies, is killing the eggs, is taking care of the eggs and getting rid of those. And so when I put it in that sense, in my mind, that's the same way of you have to get rid of the, the, the problem at its base where it becomes worse if you allow the egg to survive. That made it easier for me to decide. Hmm. I, uh, or finding a spider's nest. Those yeah, you kill. You get rid of the spiders. <laughs> <laughs> you kill those you babies kill, too. You, you kill, kill spiders. Babies. Um, I... I Bounced again with the well. There's no funding, and we didn't want to go back into space, and you know, so we had to pull this shuttle out of mothballs. I, I, I didn't really like the idea. We got retired astronauts to come up here for this. <laughs> they cut the back off of it. And yeah, right. <laughs> it it hit so close to. Well, well, you want to talk what's going on right now? Yeah, you know, there's your allegory. There's no I, space. I, I love that this anymore. is the event also that sends humans back into Earth. And then that was a we great got moment. Space. In space, back in the space. <laughs> I knew what you meant. To go from that moment. We gotta go scale. Uh, we gotta see, go in here. See if the Earth's an egg. <laughs> Let's make sure this is an egg too. There's a spider at the center of the Earth. I keep telling you. But yeah, to go from that, oh man, to this is the moment that people witnessed and went, okay, it was cool. we, we've got it. that that cool. uh, fixed so much of. And and again, that's when the doctor came back and was like, you know, dancing on the on the sand, and it was a thing. And yeah, you can do this, and you go, and you can tell. I like how it's almost like he, he closes his eyes in that gray area that he was talking about that he couldn't necessarily foresee, and it was almost like a new info dump had been downloaded into his his, his yeah. memory that now that this moment has passed, he has access no to know gray. what's to what's going on. And I thought that was really cool, and that, I thought it was a really great way. To explain why time, how time lords don't always, because they've never really given us a good way explanation of why they don't, 
some things are fuzzy. Well, yeah. we this is about, a great way to describe it. We always talk about it. fixed points in time and how the Time Lord always can identify that this is a fixed point and has to happen. But I love the idea that we kind of took that and did a whole different. There are great the points in time yeah. that we don't know if this has to happen or not. And so that was neat. I agree with you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I, I, I'm, we've talked before about how it's nice to not necessarily have the all-knowing doctor that, well, this is where the blah, blah, blah universe is, and this is where you know, we're going to do this, and oh, it's a such-and-such such alien, and we have to do this, and uh, watch out, they like the color green. And, and some, some of that is cool, because it's Doctor Who, and we like that. Then there's other we've times always had like, that, though. I think that's I'm, the thing that people miss, is that we've always had a doctor that has... The reason he's out exploring the galaxy is because he's learning as much as anybody else. Yeah. And he does not know 100%. He doesn't even know 90%. He may have a good 80% of knowledge, maybe even 75 but he's still that scientist that's always doing these experiments and finding out new things. And it was, I, I know. It was nice getting a, a return to that. Yes. yes. Compared yes. to because 10 and 11 who, who just kind of seemed to know everything. Who seemed yeah, to yeah. know everything. And even nine. Um, Although 11, I think there was a little bit more times I can think of where he was like, I don't know what this is. And, or maybe I would agree, and I don't think I you're agree. just saying that because he's your doctor. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you're right. When I think in doubt, 11 is your answer. <laughs> I think there were a lot of moments, and, and there were a lot more moments with Eleven where he was prone to be wrong about something yeah. too, which is very Paul McGann, Eighth Doctor audios. When, yeah, you know he starts berating himself. Oh, stupid, stupid Doctor! You know, maybe that's <laughs> why I like Eight so much is the, the similarities. <laughs> there are some. It's what I like about Eleven is the same thing presence in A's. So it was it was nice to get that, and so it's like oh cool. And then we immediately follow that up with the Clara conversation in the TARDIS. And it was that <laughs> gut punch again yeah. of this, you know, I was the yo-yo in this episode. <laughs> up, down, up, down, up, down. I, I, I like Danny's reaction. I like that he was Perfect supportive. Reaction. I liked that he was honest. You're not through with him yet because you're still angry, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 and rational. But not... Frequently, you see quarreling couples, and, and, and at least it's been my experience that if you come off as oh, logically it should be this, that's not that, that's not going to end well for you. You should just back off of that right there. <laughs> but I like that there was just enough logic in it to kind of get her to see his point without hammering her over the head with it, you know. And I like the fact that he knew instantly that that was what had happened. That you know he, she got pushed, and it's got to be. You know, we, we talked a little bit last week about the back and forth with her in the TARDIS and then going back to work and that kind of stuff. This had to be just... Can you imagine... Was this the start of the school day? It seemed that like she it. still had then, you know, eight hours of classes oh, to yeah. teach coming yeah. off of that? That's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's when this kind of life is like, wait, should I... <laughs> I mean, Pick one or the other. Yeah. I Wow. Because it's one thing to, you know sneak off for tea and then come back. And, right. you know, yeah. I just had a 16-day vacation and I could come back and finish my day, but I almost got killed on the moon and blew up a chicken. and Made one of the most important decisions of my life. And now I have to teach English. I mean, that's just... That's rough. That's a, that's a rough day. So Puts teaching in perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to go to the video store after making that decision, let alone teach English. So... Yeah, that that was really rough. And it, just from the preview, it looks like maybe Clara's not in the next episode, or at least not very much. It seemed like it was very... Clara Light. <laughs> Clara Light looks like it. Yeah. Although from the synopsis I've seen, it's 
I, I don't know if I believe it. So I don't know. You know, this was uh, the first week that I didn't watch the preview. I, 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 it wasn't a conscious effort. We just shut it off and... I think because we were... What do the girls think? Uh, I didn't really get a... I didn't really get a flavor from them. <laughs> um, Holly did mention that she had a lot of the problems you had, um, just in the sense that it didn't really... And she wasn't sure whether to, what to think about this doctor. Because she said, you know, I just, she, she's not enjoying this style of doctor. Um, but she started at nine and... So she's very used went to the... Went through 10 and yeah. went through 11. So this is a this is a drastic change for her. Um, she doesn't even have the anchor she, of its first doctor to go back to, really. Exactly. And so she's also... so, But she's... I mean, she's, she said, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stop watching it because I'm not enjoying this doctor. So she's re- she's ready to, to play it out and see where it goes. So um, Caitlin didn't say much about it. I think Caitlin was just more kind of just kind of rode the wave, you know. She just... She's not hating this series but she hasn't been wowed by it either I don't think hmm. I don't think it is a nice change of pace for the emotional aspects of the show to switch from kind of heartbreak and what we had previously in the new series to a kind of explore different emotional aspects to the characters more than oh no I lost the love of my life etc etc which I think is a nice change of pace even from Smith's era. Yeah. It just feels a little bit more, I don't know, I don't want to say grown up, but that's the only word that comes to mind. It doesn't feel as angsty. It feels like real emotion instead of, oh no, Rose is trapped in another world and I'll never see her again. <laughs> or, the doctor doesn't like me. Don't be a hater. Or, or, or <laughs> I will never live up to my the previous companion, so I'm not good here, so I'm going to leave. Sort of stuff. It, it feels more <clears throat> core of a person, emotional reasoning, than we previously have gotten. I can see that. So there, I wasn't just a rose hater. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, <laughs> and you know how much I like Martha. So. But you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, <clears throat> okay. I'm not, I'm not going to open that can of worms again. I'm <laughs> just going to let that let that puppy lie. Mostly because I like poking the bear. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that uh, we want to? No, choosing <laughs> me ending the conversation, not Sean. I just I, I kinda, think we covered everything. I, I kind of got the sense that you were done. I'm done. I, I, I'm done. I'm done. And you know, I'm sure Keith and I still could, not going to give it a done, done, done. I, I'm, I'm sure Keith <laughs> and I could wax philosophic about the moon being an egg and the gestation period of space chickens for a while, but the brilliance of a yo-yo. <laughs> I, I turned to Sarah when that's after that showed up, and I thought I said every doctor should have a yo-yo. Oh yeah, it's a shame we, it's been this long since we've seen it. <laughs> it hasn't. It's been that since Tom, right? Yeah. Since we really, at least for. Gravitational purposes, right, anyway. Right. <laughs> I don't even remember non-gravitational purposes. I don't remember anybody else really. Maybe, with maybe Peter Davison in his pockets. Yeah, did Davison pull it out when he was in uh, what was it, the Visitation, or what For, was Fort of Doomsday? Fort of Doomsday. He, he, was, he didn't try to yo-yo his way back to the spaceship. Yeah, no, <laughs> cricket ball. Um, <laughs> the cricket ball, so yeah, that's, that's what yeah. that would work. 
I don't know. Like I said, I just I, I get the feeling this is going to be. This definitely feels like the turning turning point of the series more so than last week. Yeah, agree. Yeah, last week was just the beginning. I still need to the... write down my uh, prediction, put it in envelope. Yeah, you better hurry. Better. Hurry. Well, <laughs> I wondered about this week, and I went, "Wow, we're rapidly okay. running up a series we're, here." We're all right. All right, well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule is um, the 10th of October, which is a Friday or Saturday, depending on how you want to look at it, since we start at midnight. We do Friday Night Who. Once again, if you are available, please join us uh, this week. The 10th week. of October is still a Friday. No but technically, we start on the 11th. Right. <laughs> right. So, so no matter how you look at it, it is October. no matter who you are, the 10th is still Friday. <laughs> Wibbly wobbly time. <laughs> you know I'm not good with this. So. <laughs> On Friday at midnight, which is actually Saturday, uh, this week we're going to be watching The Pyramids of Mars with Tom Baker. Uh, this one should be much easier for everybody to get a hold of. There was even a little bit of angst amongst our group as to whether or not we were going to be able to join in for Planet of Fire this week. Who owns that one? I... I <laughs> I just had it in my head from the beginning. Why would I own that? That well, that one's on moratorium. I that's one of the ones I didn't pick up. All I don't own that. I mean, it's got to be Sean. It's got to be Sean. And it I, wasn't I, until he said, "Did he, did Sean text you?" And I went, "No, why?" And he goes, "Well, do you own Planet of Fire?" And I went, "No, I don't own Planet of Fire. It's got to be." And I didn't realize you guys were having this eternal debate as to who had Planet of Fire. I just had one text from him asking that, and that made me question. I knew I didn't have it. He sent me a text later on and said, are you sure? I've looked at my shelf, and I've looked at my database, and I don't have it. And he said, database? And I thought, oh, why haven't I done that? So I went and looked at my database and my phone and went, oh, I do own Planet of Fire. Well, my quote, what I said to you was, well, Sean's collection's grown so big, he doesn't know what he has when he does (laughs) it. You're right. I really, it it really (laughs) has gotten to that point. And so I went downstairs and looked on the shelf, and it wasn't there. I went, oh, I don't think I own that one. No, 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 no. And so I just, I don't own it. You must own it. That's the way this works, right? And then you... Uh, My collection's very small. I, I, I sent you a text and say, hey, is that one of the ones that you picked up? And you're like, nope. Uh-oh. <laughs> So then my next thought was maybe I did buy it and I loaned it to somebody, but I didn't have an index card there in the placement. So I went back down and then looked and I thought, well, maybe I could buy Maybe I, maybe, maybe, maybe I put it out of place. <laughs> That's how panicked I was. So I went and checked the whole shelf just to make sure. And I looked at all the Davidsons and then I looked on the bakers and the bakers on either side of the Davidsons and it wasn't <laughs> there. And I went, hmm, I don't think I loaned it to anybody. So then I went and pulled up the database, and the database says, hey, you don't own that. And I went, aha. <laughs> so then I asked you, and you were like, I don't own it. And Glenn's like, I don't own it. And I was like, well, how the heck did we watch this stupid <laughs> thing last time we did this? Because I remember watching this last year. So, yeah, there was that. Yeah. But we, we got it sorted. So, so I made an 11, 11 15 <laughs> delivery to Sean's house so that it was there in time for and running. we out. thank you very yes. much. Absolutely. That. Still, it's such a good story. It is good. Um, but next week, we are watching. Um, I forgot what we're watching. Pyramids of Mars with Tom Baker. Sarah do you Dane. own that? I do own that one. And it's I on Netflix. Too. And it's on Netflix. <laughs> and it's. And I own it. I think on Hulu. 
I'm sure it it's on, on Hulu. Hulu. I, don't, I don't think it's on Amazon Prime. I can check it, it, it is widely available. So if you are available and up at midnight on Friday, please join us. Follow the hashtags uh, for Friday Night Who and Pyramids of Mars. And it's at Travel Vortex. And we will have a live tweet along, and it promises to be a lot of fun. And, of course, we are watching that one on Friday, even though we've already reviewed it, because Season eight's episode is Mummy on the Orient Express. And, well, that's the only other one oh. we can think of that had mummies in it. So. Oh, I it, did see the It preview. is on... We did watch the preview for this. I must have just spaced it out. <laughs> you were still gut Now I do remember it. <laughs> or bewildered that the moon yeah. was an egg. And I remember seeing this and going, oh, no. Really? Okay. Yeah. Really? I was kind of surprised. Well, we'll get into it. It kind of reminded me of Voyage of the Damned. That premise, the whole premise around Oh, ships in space, trains in space. I got you. So, uh, and I didn't... (laughs) I always manage to do this, and it's not until after that the schedule's posted that I go back and look, because I'm I'm trying to keep us, you know, kind of bouncing around a little bit and, you know, not do too many of the same era and the same time frame and stuff like that. And didn't realize that we managed to go... Five, four, and then next week is three <laughs> because we're doing Carnival of Monsters the following week, um, and then uh, the uh, episode uh, nine flatline will be our review. One ninety nine, and then we're coming up on the big two hundred anniversary. Oh, oh, episodes! I thought you meant how much it costs. Dollar ninety nine. Dollar ninety nine. Are you out of your mind? Uh, so then uh, we'll be doing the Dr. Widow in the Wardrobe for uh, our uh, Friday night on the 24th of October and then uh, reviewing In the Forest of the Night, which the only thing that we could think of to pair those two together was because there's a forest in them, supposedly. Um, so we'll see how well that plays out, too. <laughs> <laughs> this has been... Yeah, I'm not going to go. <laughs> the Friday night who pairings have been a little rough this season. We'll say that. But, um, so that kind of takes us up through October, and uh, again, if you're available, please join us. Well, not all the way up through October, because we're actually doing Friday Night Who on Halloween. And not doing a Halloween episode, unfortunately, because we're going to start the invasion. But yeah. I guess the invasion the one, is... The one year that we're actually doing Friday on Halloween. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we're not doing? War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. that's what we're doing Friday night. Ooh. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm also working that, uh, that Friday, um, and so I was kind of looking at the schedule trying to decide where I would schedule a War of the Worlds party, and I'm not 100% for sure certain that uh, it won't happen, but we didn't do it last year either. We yeah. just got busy. Yeah. So. But that makes all, I'm Jones and Ford all the more. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, there's War that. of the Worlds Titan is on Netflix. Did you watch it yet? I did watch it. What did you think? Oh, it was okay. Yeah, it was fun. It was all right. I, I, I didn't love it as much as you did. Well, I, I, I didn't Actually, love I picked it, it up from the library and watched it long ago and forgot to mention it. That's oh, how much of an impact that's <laughs> on me. I'm sorry. I just didn't love it. It was, like I said, it was okay. There was, it, I just didn't care about could, the characters. It could, it could have been better. It I'm not going to say better. that. Yeah. But I just, I, the concept-wise Con- Concept-wise, so I agree. Cool. Execution? Uh, yeah. They're going to do it for this week? Transformers sucks. If it is, until next week, I'm Glenn. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had this image of you yelling, I'm a space buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> just, 
Uh, we'll have to put the show no- in the show notes. We'll have to put the link to that episode for people who are going. What is with the space buffalo? If you're joining us late, that's what we submitted for our uh, Parsec Award. We did. We submitted uh, because wow, that's a. <laughs> Podcast <laughs> masterpiece there. Anything that's us, it's Space Buffaloes. Space Buffaloes, Merc is oh my. Uh, I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. The moon is an egg. Be seeing you. Say it's only a paper moon Sailing over a cardboard sea But it wouldn't be make-believe If you believed in me You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. But it wouldn't be make-believe if you believed in me.